welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David? Yeah. How you doing? We don't have time. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Okay, now real quick, here's the thing. Uh, I wasn't exactly exactly sure where to say this, so I'm going to say it uh, here. So, David, I was telling you off mic that uh, I'm working on a I'm working on a research paper about film criticism and the way that it plays into new developing technology and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, in in a number I through a number of different research avenues I have arrived at the at the uh, the idea. This isn't the only place I arrived, but the idea of uh, curation. Okay. Uh, and the idea that we all think of Netflix and it's just, you got a ton of stuff and yes, there's Hulu and, and that as well. But then there are specialty services like I will mention them, uh, like Filmstruck, like shutter, like CISO and like movie. And it's just very interesting that, that a lot of these have sprung up over the last few last probably two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And, and so as I've been reading like people's opinions of it and there seems to be a genuine uh, disdain for Netflix mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent Hulu um, because so many of the decisions that they are making, and Netflix especially, is based so firmly on uh, consu- uh, consumerism. You know, like when they changed the star ratings to thumbs, mm-hmm. when they added this new skip intro feature, not just to TV shows, but to some movies as well. Have you heard of that? That's a new I, development. I've heard about it. I don't understand. Like, it, it, that's very dumb. Yes, it is. And and their their explanation is, you know, well, we want to save people time. It's like then they shouldn't be watching a fucking movie. And just yeah, that's not. It's ridiculous. And if this and also, I mean, uh, I'm going to be a hardliner about it. Don't skip the intros on TV shows either. If you if you can, I skip a previously on. Um, yeah, that, that shouldn't be on there. Okay. Um, that shouldn't even exist. Indeed. But yeah, don't. Uh, you know, if you, if you can't handle me at my nerf herder, (laughs) you don't deserve me at my, you know, Buffy and angel. Indeed. Well, you've ruined what I was going to say. No, it's, uh, so I, it's, it's something that I, we don't talk. I mean, we, we give, I give the spiel about movie, but I don't talk enough about how special a service like that is. Um, that these are movies that are not, these are movies that are handpicked. These are mm-hmm. movies that are not simply acquired and then buried under a mountain of kind of half-assed stand-up specials. Yeah, you know? it, it's not like, oh, the the studio let us have the rights to this one major movie. We just had to take these 86 other <laughs> movies right. you've never heard of exactly. uh, along with it. Yeah. And so so movie is very manageable, and there there's a genuine love of film behind it. And so yeah. I just wanted to I wanted to go out, out of my way and and talk about that al- along with the usual spiel. And so and I did want to mention that there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M U B I dot com slash battleship to redeem now. And I want to tell the listeners about tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Um, uh, Tyler, you and I use them all the time. In fact, I've... Okay. 
All right. I, I, I normally like just shotgun this thing off or, or that's not a machine gun this thing off. There but, um, uh, when it comes to the tweaked audio earbuds, mm-hmm. so they're the, um, the, the, the style is not the, they're not the Apple ones, you know, they're, they're the ones, I don't know what you call the different styles, but they're like, have the little nubs that you, stick, yes, you know what yes. I'm talking about. And, uh, um, I found online someone said a better way to use the those type that okay. are that are tweaked instead of your standard just like you know putting them right in your ear with the cords hanging down mm-hmm. you wrap the cord on the top of the ear yeah. and put them in that way it's changed my life has it really yeah I have seen that but I have not uh, I've not taken the leap I haven't done that yet it because it's uh, so the, you know, it, it, it stays in more firmly mm-hmm. and because the, it does what those type are meant to do, which is create more of a seal, you know? Yes. yes. So it's, it's perfectly in there. Whereas like, you know, the thing with like the, the Apple earbuds, like those stay in just fine, but they're also, you're getting in a lot of, you know, outside noise in there, Indeed. you know, this is the best of both worlds. This is the only way now that I'm listening to my tweakedaudio.com earbuds is with them wrapped over the top of my ear. Um, Anyway, they're available at tweakedaudio.com. But the listener can use them however they want. Right. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you you pointers. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, they're available at tweakedaudio.com at a low, low price. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler. Yes? Okay. Okay. We got we to gotta, we gotta introduce our guest. I really quickly, uh, because we forgot to do it last week, I want to thank James for the pizzas. James sent us... Oh, right. Lou Malnati's deep dish pizzas... Packed in dry ice all the way from Chicago. They're yeah. they're they're still on uh, on a deep freeze. I'm waiting for a chance to uh, to enjoy my Lou Malnati's, which I've always thought sounds like Illuminati's. Yeah, right. Yeah, I wonder. That's probably a thing. Like I'm sure there are 15 minute long YouTube videos about how Lou Malnati's <laughs> is the Illuminati. Our um, our guest just gave the Illuminati sign, is yeah. it, or one of them. And that's uh, I want to bring up. This is something I've always often said. Like. Okay, if I were famous, if I were a famous person for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, I hope I never am. I submit you are. It, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, like, to the level of, like, I'm going to go on talk shows. Sure, right? sure. That's the level I always think about. Um, I hope I never get that famous, because being famous seems awful. <laughs> um, but, uh, now, obviously, I would use my fame and my fortune, I'm assuming I'm rich at this point, too, for a lot of good causes. Mm-hmm. But there are also things I would do, I would address pet peeves, like telling, I would, I would go on Conan O'Brien and I would tell people or Jimmy Fallon or whatever, Jimmy Kimmel. And I would tell people on an escalator, you stand to the right and you walk to the left. Indeed. This is something that I would dedicate my life to. Yeah. Um, uh, I would, I would admonish and chastise people who leave, um, uh, shopping carts in the middle of the parking lot, as opposed to taking 
eight seconds to just walk to the little corral and put him in, which is fun to do anyway, by the way. Um, okay. I don't agree with that part, no, but I will know, always right, walk the back of the, the previous one opens up and accepts the, the one you're putting in. It's fun. It's like putting together Legos. I don't understand why anyone would miss out on the opportunity. It's ridiculous. Fair enough. Um, but the thing that I've, the thing that I've said that I would do just for fun is I would like somewhat surreptitiously like give Illuminati signals just to then go like watch the YouTube videos about how I'm uh, uh, secretly a part of the Illuminati. That's pretty great. I like that quite a bit. (laughs) So this is um, all to say thank you, James, for the deep dish pizzas. Now, David. Yes. You mentioned pet peeves. Okay. And we can, we can uh, bring our uh, guest yeah, in on this. Yeah, let's bring our guest in on this. Because uh, I have a new one. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show uh, our friend Kristen Sales. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being uh, so silent for eight minutes and 13 seconds. You know what? It's what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you on the shopping cart thing, though. First of all, you're right on both. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to stop my car halfway into a parking space the other day to get out to push these carts that were in the parking space out of the way so that I could park my car. But it is fun to put the carts back yeah. in the crawl. First of all, you can like do that little pushy thing with the carts where you kind of like put your heel up like you're having a good time, like Mary sure. Tyler Moore or something. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you push the carts in and then they it is very satisfying when they fit together. Yeah. And it's like... Plus, it's like a job well done. Like, you've done your shopping. Yeah. You got your groceries in the car, and now you're putting the car back. You're like an adult. It's like yes. it's like a succession of, like, little tiny moves that, like, codify an event in your life, which is that you've gone and purchased groceries for yourself to take yeah. home to make. <laughs> and it's all, like, very satisfying. I, I, I agree. And I don't understand what is wrong with people, why they just leave cars. Yeah. And I will admit mine comes from kind of a personal place for a very brief time. I did work at a, I worked the overnight shift at a 20, opened at a 24 hour Walmart. Um, uh, and sometimes it would be like two thirty three in the morning and my boss would be like, uh, David, go out and shag carts. That's what he would say. That's mm-hmm. the, the terminology. And I'd have to walk. This is a, and this isn't just like a Ralph's. This is a Walmart. So the parking lot's eight football fields <laughs> long and people would like take their shopping cart up like out up the hill to the bus stop and then wait for the bus with their stuff they bought at Walmart. So I'd have to go leave the parking lot, and go up to the bus stop and grab shopping carts. And, and so, I would, so your carts and, didn't have those electronic things that kept them from going. Past yeah, I guess not at, certain, the, at, the, at this, at this Walmart. This Walmart was not in the uh, 21st century, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But Trader Joe's doesn't have that to this day. I don't know. Well, if you Cause know Trader that. Joe's have tiny little parking lots that you can't even, plus people use the hand carts. They don't even Trader Joe's is like, oh, yeah. it's like a, well, a sardines. There's Cause no I, room. I shop at Trader Joe's. I use shopping carts and often because the Trader Joe's and in, into Luke Lake, where you can find me and sometimes Miley Cyrus, um, uh, has such a tiny parking lot. Sometimes I'm parked half a block down on the street. And so when I'm done, I just walk my shopping cart, like push it down the street. You don't just put your groceries in a bag. Like you're getting more bags than you can carry. Um, wait, I don't understand the, like if you have your groceries bagged, right? Why don't you just put them in your hands rather I, than the cart? I don't want to carry my heavy groceries the whole time. I have the wheeled thing. I'm going to go wheel them, put them away, and then I'm going to go put the shopping cart away. See, that's the difference between you and me. At grocery stores, I only ever buy already popped popcorn, so I don't have to worry about <laughs> super heavy bags. Uh, all right. Um, where were we? We were in the middle of something. I don't even... I, I just said hi, and then we got into, we got into this whole thing about shopping carts. Uh, you had a pet peeve. I'm I, assuming it's about Lou Malnati's pizza. Uh, well, I am bothered that the person uh, did not send a uh, topping that I like, but that's fine. Um 
James, I'm bothered by the fact listen. you didn't defrost them for me to eat right now. <laughs> no, so no, fair, enough. Done. fair enough. James, don't listen to Tyler. It's not your fault that he only eats four foods. <laughs> yeah. And one of them, well-documented, is pepperoni pizza. So get with the program, James. Uh, no, so, okay. So everybody has everybody has pet peeves, and sometimes there will be one that nobody else cares about at all and they don't understand why you would be bothered by that this might be that but i've seen it enough on twitter facebook and and certainly in a lot of student papers that i've been reading it is not based off of it is based on okay something can be off base that is a different term and it means something different if I see, it's like, oh, I saw this movie, it's based off of this book, and I just feel like, first off, you're adding a syllable that you don't need to. Uh-huh. It's based on. I have never, in my life, as far as I remember, said based off of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are turns of phrase that I use that are incorrect, but that one bothers me so much, yeah. and I think I'm alone in that. And, and if you're alone, I mean, this is something that I've had, to, as someone who is bothered by people the way people talk or write a lot, I've had to come to realize the, the, the liquidity of the vernacular or whatever. Right. That if you're the only one who's bothered by that, if everyone else is saying based off of guess what, guess what based off of is right now, because that's how language works. I know, Um, but it's based on the novel pushed by Sapphire. It's not based off of the novel pushed by Sapphire. Yeah, you're right. Um, So, you know, on a true story, let precious be your guide. Really? It's the, the, (laughs) the lesson here well um, we got something to take away from this episode for early i like that you know the one that um that bothers me uh you know relevant to our to our interests here is when someone says if someone has written a review of a movie and then tweets out check out my review for blank no yeah this isn't a review for wonder woman or whatever which was just came off embargo uh i can tell you guys that i haven't seen it um warner brothers doesn't like battle super tension that's true they don't uh, anyway, but, uh, um, uh, but as you said before feeling is mutual it's uh, it's a review of Me not out. review four um i have no problem with you uh warner brothers except the fact that you don't let us uh see your movies yeah but you haven't seen man of steel or batman v superman i've seen man of steel you saw man of steel yeah oh okay it's the main reason I haven't seen Batman vs Superman. Right. I think. Um, so, do you have any linguistic? I saw Pacific Rim. I know some people like that. Ooh, it sucks. Ouch. Yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> Sorry, I'll say that really quietly. Uh, yeah, you're, in, you're in. You're in good company here. Oh. I didn't even say it. Linguistic. Yeah. Uh, things. Not really, because okay. I'm not. I don't have to grade papers, and I'm not reading. I'm like. Anything I'm reading, I'm reading of my own uh, validity. Okay. And generally, yeah. they're written by um, authors who have been edited. Yeah. So <laughs> I've, I've sort of freed myself from academia um, no. a long time ago. Those shackles are off. I have no, um, I don't need to yell at 18 year olds or anything. Yeah. Unless I choose to, and often I do. I found my just, you know, <laughs> yeah. often in parking Get off my lawn, yeah. you kids. Just get away from me. <laughs> yeah, I uh, here's something that I discovered, a fun little uh, shortcut, where I'll be grading somebody's paper, and if there are, you know, and the papers are six to eight pages, so around page three, if I've made several grammatical corrections, at that point I just stop. And I and in my comments at the end, I say you should go to the UCLA Writing Center and uh, get some. Have them look this over. Have them look over your final paper before you turn it in. Wow! Um, so that's actually constructive, though, because I feel I like see, if you yeah. put it on a paper, like 
the kid will do that. That's my hope. Yes, uh, I would because I would be like, oh, this is like really well. You know, it's aggressive in a way. <laughs> it's interesting. I uh, to to a very small degree, I, I did some like script consulting for some people, and mm-hmm. I do it. I do it now a little bit here and there for like the people that I meet at the International Christian Film Festival because like yeah, the script is bad. I will be I will ha- be happy to read your script for a price. And uh, but what I say is that like. Uh, nothing before the third draft, please. Um, but you can't say that to students. You, can't, you know, they're all essentially the first draft, right. and they read like the first draft, right? Yeah, um, and, and it's so, your job to read them. So, and it is my job to right. read them. And right. so, but that's the thing with that writing center. What I'm essentially saying is, you write what you're going to write. Right. Give the give it to them. They will essentially turn it into at least a second draft, and then it comes back. Yeah, because ideally, you're editing for content, and you're editing for yes. the prompt. Exactly. And you're not like saying there there and there like that's not your job because you're not like a sixth grade english teacher yeah that's right? i mean <laughs> i think you nailed it well, uh, that is how i often feel okay but we can move on i'm sorry yeah because there's something that uh you know speaking of pet peeves yeah yeah everyone hates people texting in the movie theater right oh boy this guy in texas apparently really hates it but maybe he doesn't hate texting in the movie theater so much as he hates women <laughs> as it turns out so this thing came out this week that this man is suing his date uh, for the cost of a movie ticket uh, that he bought um, because she texted throughout the movie. And my initial reaction, well, my initial assumption was that this is just like a stunt that he's doing and committing to, and I kind of respect that because that's what I thought it was. I'm so glad I didn't like tweet any praise about it because as more has come out about this guy and you realize that really he's just like, uh, uh, you know, uh, creepy men's rights tool. Um, uh, I'm very glad I, I didn't praise him at all because it's, it's becoming like his tweets and the, the interview that he gave to Texas monthly or something. It's like completely, he is not trying to hide where he's coming from on this, which is, he said something like, uh, um, he said something like the, he said the assholes who tweet while they're mo- tweet during or text during movies, it's because the men in their life have given them a pass. Like, so clearly he's talking about women specifically. Yeah. yeah that's the, I'm not reaching here. The, like I know cause I, you haven't followed this as much. And I know as a, as a committed SJW, it's not, not beyond me to reach a little bit, but no, I am saying I'm going based on his exact words. Uh, and this guy is a total fuckhead. And you know, if he had said parents, <laughs> right. I'm a bit yeah. more okay with it, but Oh. Yeah, this guy—he just sounds like a one of one of those like red pill guys. Yeah, like obsessed yes. with like cucks or something. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I, yeah it, it was so funny to like read those tweets where everybody was like, "Not all heroes wear capes," and then like five minutes later, you're like, "No, no, no! He's <laughs> yeah. crazy! He's crazy! Delete, delete!" That was that's the thing is on because I saw it on Facebook, I saw it on Twitter, and my first thought was, "I don't have the energy," so I didn't read it, and I did. I didn't think it was going to be quite that, but I just thought like. I'll bet there's, this is not yeah. a thing I'm going to be able to get behind <laughs> somehow. First of all, like, small claims court for, like, how much, like, $40? Like no, you're, $17. Oh, yeah. he did, there wasn't even, like, popcorn or anything involved. It was just, like, two movie tickets. Yeah, yeah. First of all, in Los Angeles, that's one movie ticket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my thought. Well, my guess is he probably didn't want his date to get fat on oh. popcorn, you know. I'm yeah. just saying, like, let's go with the, let's go all the way with the misogyny. He's right, like, yeah. hey, you can, I'm going with my Texas hey, accent Hey, easy now. on the butter there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just 
Yeah. I just this guy sounds this, like a winner. I picture this guy. It's like getting your buttery fingers on your horrible phone as you text. Oh, you, you your, your terrible father didn't tell you anything. Also, like, what number date is this? Is this like a this blind is, date? This is at a first date. It's a okay. Tinder date. Okay, Tinder date. Yeah. Then why uh, don't you just? You don't have anything to lose. Why don't you just turn to the lady and be like, "Hey, um, can you not text like I'm trying to enjoy the movie or whatever?" Right. And then if she doesn't stop. Just leave. Yeah. yeah. It's a Tinder date. Yeah, go with sit the, somewhere with else. The woman you met an hour ago. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have would have done. Is just be like, you jump back on Tinder and say, "Would somebody sense. like yeah. to join me for the second half of a movie?" <laughs> exactly. Or you turn on your, or you bust out your phone while she's texting. <laughs> Open Tinder. Find out somebody else in the movie theater who's on Tinder and go sit next to them. I mean, this guy is like for an eight dollar and fifty movie yeah yeah I, oh I mean, boy i i thought that he was really taking a stand against people texting in movie theaters he's just um, taking a stand against being a reasonable human being yeah and he he feels like he is owed something because he took a woman on a he paid, 15 dollar movie date. yeah <laughs> yeah uh it, oh it, it's, it's it, this thing is broken as bad as it can break the par is so low <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I mean, that's I'm, not even dinner. Yeah, that's not, it's not yeah. even. Well, apparently dinner. he did buy her a slice of pizza. Apparently, this is Whoa. they did have hey, a slice of pizza spender. together before to, to get to know one another before sitting <laughs> easy, in a movie for two hours. Easy there, minutes. Don Draper. That's <laughs> <laughs> a dong at all the ladies <laughs> taking them for a stand-up slice before going to see. Wait, what movie was this, by the way? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume. Before, of, well, thank you for saying the whole title, by the way. Yes. <laughs> You know what? I bet that guy has some daddy issues. And maybe if he had been able to concentrate on the movie, he would have been able to work through right. sure. those obvious sure. issues that he has so with his own like parents. He should sue her for like, you know, his therapy bills and stuff like yeah. that. Because this film would have really broken yeah. some barriers. He should sue Kurt Russell for making him cry. Sure. So, Or I would. I will. Did that movie make you cry? No. Oh, okay. But this guy definitely would. Definitely. Okay, yes. Because I feel like yes. Kurt Russell has effortly, effortlessly exhibits the kind of masculinity that this guy yearns to possess, but without being a dickhead. Kurt Russell, that is. Fair enough. And Because uh, I love Kurt Russell. This is like a... Hey, t- we're going to... Yeah. Did you see that Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn had movies opening in consecutive weekends? And they got their star together. They had their little ceremonies together. Yeah, did you see that? I did not see that. They got their Hollywood stars next to each other. They had the one ceremony together. They took, like, the world's cutest photos of them, like, like, hugging on their stars. I think those kids are going to make it. Yeah, they're going to be all right. Uh, All right. Uh, we got to get to our topic. Okay. Right. First, I want to talk about what's, uh, I want to direct people's attention to the website. Indeed. We're not just a podcast. We're a fully functioning, well, constantly updating movie blog. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I want to tell you what's on the on the website right now. Uh, Jim's uh, monthly Crossing the Streams column, where he recommends things to watch on the internet. Um, you've got the, the rep ports. You can buy Tyler's book. Worth watching, which is a collection of reviews and essays. That's right. Um, Sarah is still working her way through our uh, top 100. Um, she wrote about uh, Grand Illusion and some other stuff. Joining the BP fleet, this is the important thing, is yeah. uh, Movie Meltdown, a, p- a podcast that has been around for ages. Yeah. Um, they might be older than we are. They're honestly. not. They're not? Okay. Nope. <laughs> Damn right. Very, <laughs> few, che- very few are. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they've been around for a long time. They have joined the BP fleet. We, uh, Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we the first episode we posted um, uh, uh, on the website is is a discussion of Guardians of the James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 
Um, Starring Sean Gunn. Uh, I <laughs> that's wrote. Right. Yes, that's right. Uh, Gilmore Girls' own. Yeah. Sean Gunn. Right. Uh, St. Louis's own Gunn Brothers. I'm from St. Louis, so okay. are the Gunns. Oh man, the Gunn Brothers. That sounds awesome. So is John, so is John Hamm. Uh, John Hamm. Yes, Kevin Klein. Okay, uh, we're getting handsomer and handsomer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keep going up. Um, who else? Uh, oh, uh, Kimmy Schmidt herself. Um, Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper. Because Ellie Louis. Kemper, what John Hamm was Ellie Kemper's like substitute teacher, or yeah. teacher or something. They yeah, he like taught drama. Yeah, he. Yeah. Oh. yeah. At, That's at, neat. At and then he was on Kimmy Schmidt. That's yeah, fun. I know. Small yeah. world, huh? Um, and then uh, Jenna Fisher, not from St. Louis originally, but uh, she she reps St. Louis. She lived there for a long time. So. And she, for a while, married into it because she was married to James Gunn. That's right. Uh, I remember one time when I was working at the Arclight, um, she came out, I was tearing tickets, and she came in and she was like, uh, I know you guys have the rule about not letting people in five minutes as the movie started. My husband's running a little bit late. Is it okay if he comes in? And I was like, sure. In my head, I was like, yes, it's okay if James Gunn comes in a little <laughs> yeah. bit late to see uh, Breach or whatever the movie was. <laughs> I was, I was uh, a friend of the show, Matt Champagne, was doing uh, an hour of comedy featuring uh, opening act friend of the show, Carl Hess. And How about that? So I went to that, and uh, in the audience was Jenna Fisher and uh, James Gunn, and I thought, like, oh, that's interesting, because, oh. like, it was people that Matt had specifically invited. Huh. And so I thought, like, yeah, I guess he got, I guess he knows them. Okay, let me run through some more stuff. Uh, I reviewed the Scream Factory uh, Dead Ringers Blu-ray, which I know was a few months old at this point, but uh, I'm catching up. Um, West looked at the music of Carl, Carl Starling and Raymond Scott for uh, Looney Tunes shorts at, awesome. at the Musical Notation uh, podcast. Sequel cast put up two episodes today. Appropriate. Uh, uh, director Raja Gosnell's famous diptych Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, um, both of which I saw because Buffy forever. Um, In the theater you saw them? Uh, no, I, I saw them on DVD. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then as far as new reviews this week, you got Alien Covenant, uh, and I reviewed both uh, um, the new Steve James film, Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, and Amber Tamlin's directorial debut, Paint It Black. Uh, if you're going to see any movie this weekend and you're, you live in a city where Paint It Black is playing, go see Paint It Black. It's super cool. Very excited for that. Uh, and okay, that's what's going on on the website. Just wanted to get through that. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. This was uh, Kristen's idea for a topic was... That's right. Blame me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think it started as actors we hate, or I mean, hate is a strong word, but then just actors that people hate in general. People hated actors. Yeah, the impetus to me was this idea that regardless of what level of cinephile you consider yourself, there is this like very human thing, which is there are certain actors that you just viscerally rub you the wrong way and you can't there's something about them that irks you and it maybe doesn't have to do with whether they're talented at the craft of acting. It just has to do with something about their presence on screen, their physicality, their appearance, their voice, the something about their facial expressions that irks you. And so this question really fascinates me because it's like, I think that a lot of people really try to watch as much as possible and as be as Catholic in their tastes and to sort of broaden their horizons. And they really pride themselves on that. But there is this thing, which I think like almost transcends uh, cinephilia or this idea that you should be open to all things, which is just like on the human level. What if 
there is an actor in a movie and you're just like, God, I can't stand that guy. What do you do? Do you power through? Does it ruin the movie for you? Do you avoid the movie? Like what is, and I want to like just investigate the thing of like, what is it about that thing where there's one actor that you can't stand and you don't know why? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, my answer is definitely that I power through. Um, yeah. You know, if people tell me the movie's good or the, or the TV show, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot, but yeah, it's, you bring up the, you know, you, you bring up this title and I long time listeners know that Tyler and I both have, uh, well, Tyler, I think has two, um, that listeners know I have Jonathan Reese Myers. I've never been a fan. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's, uh, yeah, he, I, I, I feel like I can see him trying to be good looking no matter what character he's playing. And I feel like it's, uh, it, I, I can never fully believes that that's I think he comes you know, across as, as a vain actor yeah in the way that I think I think sometimes people have a problem with the way act, uh, actors come off and it's usually in qualities like that where it's something like a vanity or something like a smugness in the way that they are they sort of arrange their facial features and the tone of their voice yeah and it's 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 sort of personality qualities though rather than acting choices which i think is kind of depending on the role which is kind of an interesting thing because getting back to like why this fascinates me is that it may not like there may be an actor that is in a ton of really good movies and maybe they're even giving good performances that are really serving the character well, but something about the way that they comport themselves on screen mm -hmm. is off-putting. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's probably what stems from yours is that that kind of thing where he's just, there's something about the way that he carries himself. Cause I can yeah. see that in what you're talking about yeah. in, in, in the roles that I've seen him in. Yeah. And I also think that he's, I mean, you know, I was in drama club. Ty was in drama club. I don't know if you were in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So people who are drawn to this are off, you know, this is not a, you know, there's a, there's a Venn diagram here, but often not the most athletic people you know, hey, the uh, artsy, artsy type people. <laughs> yeah. And so I like Jonathan Reese Myers when he's supposed to be playing like a soccer coach in better like Beckham. I'm like, this dude is not teaching anyone. Like this dude does not look, he does not carry himself like an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, and no, so, he carries himself like an aesthete. Like, I feel like right. Jonathan Reese Myers is always like one step away from like being in like Oscar Wilde's boudoir. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just always like that, which is why in certain roles like velvet Goldmine. If that's the right area for him, but as as, as Henry the Eighth, like noted sportsman Henry the Eighth, like <laughs> no. uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's rustic it's man of uh, the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, anyway, um, so okay, that's that's mine. Tyler has two main ones. Yeah, uh, what what are they? Re okay. Refresh our memory. I know. So for uh, for a long time, my least favorite actor, and I don't know if I would say that anymore, but uh, John Voight. John Voight was an actor. It, it, a lot of it, I think, was the fact that I had not seen a lot of his earlier performance. I had mm. only seen him, like, from 1985 on. Uh, and even then, going back and rewatching Runaway Train, which was the 1985 performance, it's very good. Um, but I saw him in Anaconda, and uh, the Rainmaker might have been the one that really did it for me. Uh, but he was just... There was something about the way he carried himself that just seemed sort of like a cut rate Robert Duvall, my favorite actor. Um, and so this is like an uncanny Valley thing. For you. I think it might be right. that. Yeah. This is like, he's like bizarro Duvall yeah. to you. <laughs> it's, yeah. You need to like smite him. You lose that hair and maybe we'll talk, but uh, <laughs> no, it was just, and he also, he just seemed to be trying so hard. Like there was a part and, and 
for me, there, it's it's an, this is a good example of why Duval is my favorite and John Boyd is not, uh, which is the Rainmaker and the next year was a civil action. Okay, and both John Boyd and Duval played the opposing counsel, mm. and and in civil action, he's a guy who's very uh, Duval plays a guy that's very shrewd and maybe a little bit cold and cynical he could come across as a villain type but he also just has a job to do and he's going to do it well and that's who he is um he takes no joy in in people getting leukemia and dying uh, as a function of the company he's representing but he has a job to do and he's going to represent them and that's how it works whereas uh in the rainmaker which admittedly is based on a on a grisham novel and so it's going to be a little bit more uh a little bit more melodramatic uh, in a bad way in, in certain ways. But, um, but you have uh, John Voight who, who, because his character represents this company that is evil, uh, he decides, Oh, okay, I'm just going to be full on evil. Uh, and so there's a, a, a scene where a character, I think he, I don't remember if he has leukemia, he has something, but anyway, so they're, they're going to depose, uh, him. And so the, the, this guy who is dying, he is going to be dead. Everybody knows it. He walks past and you see like John Voigt just like frowning at him. Like this son of a bitch has the audacity to, you know, sue my company. He's dying. Come on. I know that your character is meant to represent something, but it, it, so it's choices like that that just bother the hell out of me. But then at the same time, he makes a great Howard Cassell because Howard Cassell is a human cartoon. And so it, it's okay. Uh, he makes so a great f- himself on Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, that's true. Biting. Um, and he, honestly, he bites Kramer, right? Is that who he bites? That is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, but there is a, and I've said this before that I did a, uh, I did a fantasy casting of, uh, this most recent uh, election season. And I thought John Voigt would make a great Donald Trump, um, for many of the same reasons that he would make a great Howard Cassell. Uh, so, uh, bullshit artists. Exactly. With uh, weird hair. Yeah. So that was one. And, but then on, but, I saw like midnight yeah. cowboy and stuff. And it's like, okay, you know what? I still have not seen deliverance. Deliverance actually. is a perfect movie. There's nothing bad that happens in deliverance. And so no one who's in deliverance can be bad. I love deliverance so much. But wow. Anyway. I don't think I knew that you uh, liked l- it that much. Literally deliverance is about something bad that's happening <laughs> like isn't the There's whole point of del- yeah, deliverance not- that one bad thing I happens think, uh, uh, a bunch of bad things it, happen to the characters I mean, there's nothing <laughs> okay. bad about the movie but no i and think so that's a weird way to phrase there it. are there are a handful of movies that i think have become shorthand for certain things decades later that people know. So people know they think deliverance. They think like, Oh, it's, you know, rednecks raping Ned Beatty. Like, yeah. And the uh, like dueling banjos and doing banjos. Banjo, and that sort of thing. And so it becomes a joke. Other movies that are kind of like this, I think, um, planet of the apes has been like uh, mm. re- reduced to a lot of, to its catchphrases to a lot of people or, or, or its memorable lines. Uh, Rocky, I think ha- Rocky. was, um, marred by its sequels and Saturday night fever was so tied to disco. And all four of those are movies that I grew up, thinking that I understood what that I understand, I understand what those movies are. Yeah. And all four of them completely rocked my world when yeah. I saw them. Those are like fantastic, like very serious adult yeah. movies yeah. that yeah. deal with very serious life things, like in a serious way. Yeah. And they're yeah. not jokes. Uh, yeah. And I, and that's so like, now they're I, like I, new Hollywood movies. I feel like I love all four of those movies all the more because I disrespected them for so long. Mm-hmm. And sure. I feel like I owe them more love. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, deliverance is amazing. And it's, a. Uh, a movie that I, um, uh, 
enjoy for that for this reason i enjoy watching deliverance with someone who hasn't seen it before that's always a fun experience um you and i should watch it uh yeah because i think people are, are expecting to maybe sort of uh that it's going to be almost like uh, something they can mock a little bit not the movie but just like it's making fun of the rednecks or whatever right. and really the things that happen to deliverance are so fucking horrifying yeah, they might be expecting wrong uh, turn uh, right yeah yeah um, I, I saw that for the first time at tcm fest deliverance yeah oh cool when Voight was there and burt reynolds and ned Beatty, and they were all it was like a cast reunion that's awesome that's and great. it was wild because i think a lot of people in that audience had not seen the film before mm. i certainly hadn't and i was like this is very like an intense survivalist yeah. type. i was it, not prepared and it has i don't want to go into details but it has maybe the most disturbing death that i've ever seen in a movie even though it's like technically it's the bad guy and you're supposed to be like oh good he's dying but he takes so long to die and it looks so painful Hmm. um yeah great great movie i remember uh years ago i was trying to uh write a book about cinematic depictions of masculinity and i remember uh, a friend of mine said like just immediately said have you seen deliverance i said no he said that's your book. Right. Just write a book about deliverance couched in this. And I thought, oh, well, I yeah. guess I better watch it. And I didn't. So. Cause it's just a bunch of like different types of men in a canoe. And like yeah. within that canoe is like the whole, the full spectrum yeah. of like American masculinity. Yeah. And undoubtedly I, and just in thinking about it, it's like, yeah, I'm probably Ned Beatty. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh, so John, but, but, that, but I saw midnight cowboy and he's very good at midnight cowboy. So I think as he, as he aged, I think he aged into a very specific type of character actor that I don't care for. Yeah. Uh, so that's the one that I've rethought. There's another that I have not rethought because he, this, this person deserves one, no thought at all. And this is the one that you and I disagree on because I like I have liked this actor a lot. And it's Will Patton. Who? <laughs> it's so ben- It's such a benign. I have no idea where this is coming from. I'm sorry, you're mispronouncing banal, all right? (laughs) Because such is the nature of Will Patton. This is like how a man, how a human piece of paper can can get me so riled up is astonishing. He's not bad. He's not a bad actor. He's not a good actor. He's Will Patton. There's only one way to describe him, and that's his name. It's this is the most anyone has ever been excited about Will Patton in any <laughs> regard. Just the just the right. the fact that someone so sedate and subdued on screen can make you so upset. Isn't that a testament to his acting? No, not no. at all. Is it only a testament to your own neuroses? Because I don't know where it could be that coming from. It, Here's it comes, what I think okay. it is. I think it has to do with you had a certain version of Will Patton imprinted on you by discovering him through the uh, Jerry Bruckheimer universe. Okay, possibly. Right? And yeah, he's not good in those movies. Yeah. Like, like Armageddon or... or I, you know, I never saw um, Remember the Titans. I'm sure he's not good. Um, he's, he's fine, though. He's but, never bad. But I saw The Postman. But he also... Okay. Is that his fault? Is The Postman Will Patton's fault? Here's the thing, though. He tries to be colorful. He tries to be an over-the-top villain in The Postman. And I don't... It's nothing. It's, what I'm saying it's because you already had this sort of, like, milk toast idea of him uh, in your head. Because if you approach him from the way where you watch something like Desperately Seeking Susan or Trixie, you know, where, yeah. where he is going for it in those movies, then okay. you can see the, the character or even smaller movies like, uh, Jesus son. Uh, he's, he's very good in that. 
<laughs> I have seen Jesus son. I have seen the rapture. I have seen the rapture. Uh, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. It's, and you know what? That actually might be my favorite of his performances uh, because the character kind of fits it. It might be more an issue that I feel like he's never cast well uh, in that. I just, I, I never, I feel like he Did never I not mentioned Trixie. What about Kelly Reichardt? She's my favorite director, and she uses him very well. In Wendy and Lucy, but I didn't he plays... See. Oh, gosh. Okay. You don't have a thing with dogs, or... I'm not uh, opposed to dogs. Like Cujo, that's fine, right? This is not a Man's Cujo best type. friend with Lance, Lance Henriksen? He, he's also in Mix Cutoff, another masterpiece. I did see that, yeah. Okay. Like, he, he's, he plays Michelle Williams' husband, and he's very good doing the Will Patton thing, where he's, like, soft-spoken and kind of tries to be the voice of reason. Appropriately, doing I mean, the Will Patton thing, I don't remember him in that film. All right. You know what, I'm you remember sorry. him if you... See, this is this is the problem, is you haven't seen the right movies. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm, like, I'm like a Frank Zappa fan telling yeah. you, you got to listen to the right album. I think it's an Onion uh, headline from a million years ago. Um, but uh, just last year, um, American Honey, where he is okay, yeah. sleazy, just oozing... Sleaze. Did you see uh, American? I, I missed it. Uh, he plays a character who is credited as backseat. We never learn his name, but we meet him in the backseat of a car. Uh, and he is just, just slimy Texas swagger. And he's, he's, he's deplorable and you hate him, but he's great at it. See that, that sounds exciting to me. And yet somehow I know that if I were to watch American honey and be like, all right, a sleazy guy. Now we're talking. And the idea that, it, that, a, that a, a seemingly nice person like, Will Patton could play that character. That excites me until I see it. And then I'll be like, he could do more. He uh, can always do more. No, but I know you saw Trixie cause I, I did think I showed Trixie. you Trixie because yeah. that's a movie that I like to tell people about. Yeah. Have you seen Trixie? No. Uh, it's a, I guess it's a small town detective story where Emily, uh, Emily Watson plays a bumbling detective but she's adorable wow i'm into this who constantly makes um uh uh what's the word um malapropisms yes uh because what someone um refers to uh is it is it dermot maroney who's in that i think so yeah uh someone says he he's the like the statue of adonis and later she refers to him as the statue of adidas (laughs) (laughs) yes there's all kinds of crazy things as you know but that's it has uh nick nolte speaking maybe the single funniest line in the history of cinema oh yeah (laughs) that is what i remember when i think of trixie uh but i don't want to give it away because also it's not as funny out of context um still funny but it needs to be nick nolte saying it that's the key yeah um but that's the thing is i don't remember i don't remember will Patton in that movie i remember everybody else uh, like in american honey he's the sleazeball he's the one who like uh, uh like he does he like he um leaves her like hanging off of the okay yes site at yes. one point okay and just leaves her there yeah his name's red that's the character's name it's about right uh, <laughs> but that's no, I, I gotta say I, i'm looking at his IMDb. i don't remember him as gordon smallwood in the mothman prophecies but uh, i think i guess they can't all i like that movie but i, I guess they can't all be great so here's the thing i don't mean to say that he's bad right i have never watched no. a performance and said that's a bad performance but i've never watched a performance of his even when playing characters that that could you know a good villain or yeah. a good sleazeball or a good supporting character like in remember the titans or something like that uh and i've never seen him transcend i've never seen him elevate i've only ever seen him do what is required right. and that he's he's like the Hemingway of actors except that is not that interesting to me and it just astonishes me it's one of those things as I i've see, gotten I think older you're just too uh, you're too 
bought into your own opinion of him now that now you're projecting that onto him because i think i think he's very good and I, I, I like when he's in a movie if i can here's the deal he's got a great voice got a great actor voice I'm willing to say that I, not that I'm necessarily wrong on John Voight, but I saw more of his stuff and I was willing to say that I have a hard time even saying he's my least favorite actor now. So if I ever see and remember a Will Patton performance that really surprises me. And again, I, I, I in the, in the rapture, I think he's pretty good in that. Um, but I can't, re- the ones I can remember, I think are, are fine. Yeah. And you could do worse than fine, but you could do a hell of a lot better than fine. And that's the other thing is, as I've gotten older, some of my opinions of great performances have changed and they tend to, boil, like, my absolute favorite performances are such that I cannot imagine anybody else playing that part. And with Will Patton, I can, rem- I can imagine any number of people playing those parts in a more memorable way. But we can move on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to move on no, to. I mean, uh, we got to. Yeah, we talked about a couple of yours. I have Jonathan Reese Myers. I want to talk. Well, I want to get to, to Kristen's, but I want to talk about some. There are, uh, there are people that I used to be huge fans of. And uh-huh. this is something that happens a lot, I think. Some sort of a lot um, that I was really into and have since soured on because I think they've. Like, you know, when your favorite punk band signs to a major label, right? Sure. They sold out. <laughs> Uh, that's not really what I'm saying, <laughs> but I do mean that they've kind of like lost their edge. And I think case in point for me, and I don't know how people still feel about him. He's a huge star now, but uh, Robbie, Dar- Robert Downey Jr. has gone from being something that someone that like, if he's in a movie, I want to see what he's doing. And now it's like, I guess I'll power through that him, him just like smirking and doing he's he's just he's just like tony stark all the time and he's not it it feels like he's not challenging himself right. as an actor uh i couldn't stand him when he was in chef i mean he's supposed to be kind of a, a dick in that movie i guess but um he's also the one who gives him all the money right uh oddly enough i don't even remember him in that film um he's isn't he so isn't he the guy who's dating john favreau's ex-wife sophia vergara maybe I don't recall. I mean, talk about Chef un- good unmemorable movies. Oh, really? I like Chef. Oh, I like okay. Chef actually quite a bit. It was a oh boy, pleasant diversion, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know okay. what? It Although might, it not... might be the Will Patton of movies. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. I, I liked it more uh, than that. No, I, I liked it, but I, uh, I am I am so past food trucks. Not like the taco trucks you get here. It's great. You walk up, mm-hmm. you get three tacos for four fifty. Whatever. It's great. Um, but the gourmet food truck thing, I'm over it. The lines are always too long, and it's always way too... Why do I want to stand in line? Bet- between standing and waiting and waiting for the, the, the food, why do I want to stand and spend $14 on yeah. a burger and Just fries? Just go to a restaurant. Yes. Yeah, for that price. I feel like uh, like gourmet food trucks were over by the time that movie came out. That's probably like, true. I feel like yeah. they've already... That cultural moment has already passed. Yeah. But yeah, I was at a, the... Um, what is it? The um, Angel City Brewery, which is a cool you know, yeah. place to hang out. But they don't have food on premises. They just have yeah. food trucks in the parking lot. So it was literally the only choice. And I was like, I was just fuming. <laughs> like how long it was <laughs> taking for me to get my slider. And they ended up being good. But anyway, not the point. Uh, okay. So I don't like Robert Downey Jr. Anybody else uh, agree with me? Uh, I think he definitely has allowed the persona to influence who he is and a lot of his performances. But... 
I think he is still able to meet the require the emotional requirements of the character. And so even when playing Tony Stark, mm-hmm. like, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Captain America Civil War, but at the, at the end, uh, his character, uh, something is revealed to him that causes him to, he's not joking now. He's not smiling now. He is now angry and Robert Downey Jr. does that. And I remember in that moment thinking like, I'd like to see more of this. Hmm. I liked this a lot. Um, but, uh, but people aren't asking for it. And, uh, so what can you do? All right. I think, I think there's RDJ. Um, I used to be really obsessed with him. I did a whole filmography of his, like around the time of uh, a little bit before the first Iron Man came out. Um, and I thought it was fantastic, but he did the, he did the Depp thing. He talked to Johnny Depp and said, get me the franchise money. And that's Uh what, that's what he did. So they've both of those actors who in the nineties and two thousands were probably like of a list stars or big names doing the most interesting work consistently. Um, they just, they just sold, sold out for better or for worse, probably for better for them personally, but yeah. yeah. Um, to, to a corporate entity, entity, you know, Disney or Marvel, which I guess now the same thing. Um, and they just said, okay, well now for the next 15, 20 years of your life or whatever, you're going to be this character and you're going to, and it's not just movies. It's the PR, it's everything. It's every day every second of your day is like that is the guy you are now i think in def's case he's actually managed to make a couple projects in the whatever 15 years between the first pirates and i guess that there's going to be another one i don't even know of yep. uh, the fifth one or whatever fifth one, yeah. even the movies that he's in that are like shit like uh oh the transcendence the, I didn't see it. No, I didn't. See, I didn't see, no, no, not that one. I didn't. That's awful. Or like the one he did with Angelina Jolie, which is fucking awful. The tourist, the tourist, the tourist, the one of the worst movies. That, um, but I mean, in the big, in the big budget stuff, like in the first Alice in Wonderland that he was in, that movie is horrible. But yeah. he's doing really weird stuff, like okay. interesting. Because I didn't if like him in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, I mean, but that's those are choices. That's that's choices. And I guess that's the difference between what I was going to say. Um, between Johnny Depp and Robert Downey Jr. is that Robert Downey Jr. it seems more calculated. Yeah. Whereas Johnny Depp it seemed like like it was the opposite. When he did Pirates of the Caribbean, we talked about this recently on the on the podcast, like the Disney executives were terrified by his performance because it was right. too weird, yeah. you know. And then that and then he found himself in right. this. In but this he even track. is doing like weird stuff that I feel like is sort of opposed to the narrative. Like in Alice in Wonderland, he's doing he's like off on his own thing. And his performance is really kind of just its own thing. And he's doing that. He did the same thing in Dark Shadows, too. Those two Tim Burton movies, which are both not very good. Dark Shadows is OK. Mm. But his performance in that is like completely just like totally self-contained. Like he's just off in a, and it's like, it doesn't work. It's almost like dis- it's almost anti-narrative. Cause it's sort of like, dis- and you're, he's supposed to be the lead in keeping the movie together, but like, right. he's just making all of these bizarro choices and you're like, what is happening? I, I think at this point with Johnny Depp, like in stuff like Charlie and the chocolate factory or dark shadows or Alice in Wonderland, they are choices he's making. And so and I appreciate somebody, you know, it's that idea of, you know, go big or go home. I remember, you know, back in high school theater, my director said, like, do something. Right. Like, even if it's wrong, do something. And that that 
idea is something that I that I appreciate. So like if he's taking a risk with his performance, I appreciate it. But it is the director's choice. It is the director's decision whether that choice is the right one. Mm. And so I'm much more inclined to blame Tim Burton for that Charlie and, Chac- uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory performance uh, than I am Johnny Depp. I think I think there's enough in that performance that if Tim Burton had had worked on, worked with him and tweaked it, I think it could have been something really interesting and really special. But I think he just lets him do whatever he wants, which explain which would explain why he so often seems to be operating completely on his own. Because I don't think Tim Burton gives anybody else that level of freedom. No, I, I don't think they have like. A system where it's like, don't do that, because I think that the, their director-actor yeah. relationship is sort of symbiosis at this point. But I feel like Robert Downey Jr. doesn't have that sort of relationship with the director, so I think he sort of goes on autopilot, but his autopilot is Tony Stark at this point. And I mm-hmm. think yeah. when he was doing his best performances, sort of posts uh, between when he was erect, arrested, like in between yeah. when he was arrested and uh, his comeback in Iron Man or whatever, he did a lot of really interesting projects, but at a smaller budget level. Yeah, like Black and White and Two Girls, One Guy. Yeah, Two Girls, One Guy is crazy, but even something like Fur, where that's kind of like a a mid-level or whatever um, with... What's her face? Nicole Kidman? That's her. But it's like, I feel like Robert Downey Jr. cannot go back to that budget level of project because I feel like he, he he's not convincing anymore as like just kind of a mm. regular guy because he's always playing that heightened version whereas Depp was always playing weirdos even when it was like Benny and June for five million dollars or whatever right. you know I think he's just he's just has more money now there are more wigs <laughs> um, now this brings up an interesting question though as to what your criteria are because there are other reasons that people are now not into Johnny Depp sure. that are, you know, outside of the work that he does on screen. Yeah. And I, like when I was trying to come up with, with, with lists, with actors for this, like I came across a lot of those and I was like, but is that, is that what we're talking? Cause that's not really what we're talking about. No, here, I think right? it's a subset of what we're talking about because I think the ineffable quality of watching somebody on screen or what seeing somebody, listed in the credits of a moving movie and that being off-putting to you is a combination of many factors. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, external factors having to do with their own uh, stardom, celebrity personality, uh, political viewpoints, uh, sexual abuse allegations, mm-hmm. personal behavior, drugs, whatever, what have you. That talk show appearances, which is a huge thing, like that, that colors people's public perception. I think that is valid in a certain regard. And I, I know that there are people who won't see movies with actors in it because of reasons like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's a separate issue, but sometimes it can bleed in or combine with these other factors. For example, like some, I mean, I asked on Twitter, like what, what are the actors that might qualify for this? And I got, a ton of responses. Yeah. And I think some of the, some of the actors that were listed are people who maybe genuinely people didn't like their performances or they didn't like the roles or whatever. But now maybe that's con- been con- combined with other external factors. And it's just helped that person come to the conclusion that that certain actor is someone that they don't like they, they will skip just yeah. because it's a, it's a perfect storm of things that turn them off personally as a viewer, which I think is interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it, yeah, sometimes it works out where I don't like them on screen. Now it turns out I don't like them off screen either, like no. Miles Teller. <laughs> Miles Teller is a good one. We definitely, I definitely got that response. Uh, yeah. Miles Teller, I think, is what we have to talk about in terms of actors that turn you off is the phrase punchable face. Uh-huh. <laughs> Miles Teller, to me, is the definite, the current, <laughs> the current it boy for punchable face. There have been many punchable face actors over the years, and they all sort of fill a niche. Right now, that niche is being filled, filled by Miles Teller. Uh-huh. It has been various, variously filled by uh, Shia LaBeouf. Well, let's talk about James, James Franco. I mean, the list goes on and let's on. Let's talk about Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, let's talk about Shia LaBeouf. I feel like... Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um, wait, what? Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. You don't know about Have this? you seen that thing? No. He's oh, a, my he's God. Cannibal? Wait, you, you don't know about actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf? No, I don't. It's pretty great. Oh, my. I almost wrote an article about it, but this uh, is the like, time passed. This is one of the Internet's greatest memes. I can't huh. believe you've been missing out on this. Yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I don't even have the capacity in me to like give you the full oh, history of okay. it. I, and, I, feel, I feel like Tyler. Usually you're the one who doesn't know the internet thing that I'm talking about. I know, but, uh, but this one caught up to me. Uh, and it's interesting. So in the, in the class that I'm TAing for, well, we watched Citizen Kane. Sure. And so I was talking to the students afterwards and they said like, hey, that scene where he's clapping. <laughs> and they're like, did that, is that Shia LaBeouf thing a reference to that? I said, absolutely. No question Holy, about it. First of all terror in my heart that they didn't know that that was already a citizen gain reference those no. children i'm glad that they're getting an education now it's never no, too late none of them are film students okay they're this taking a, this, this a non-major class they're taking this as a history class okay and undoubtedly they thought it was going to be easier than it than it is sure that's always a mistake so yes yeah um anyway Shia okay. LaBeouf. because Shia LaBeouf is someone that i feel i don't know how other people feel i feel like he's sort of come out of that yes like i'm now i've now gone I've done a, a, a 180. Like now, yeah. not only am I not turned off by Shia LaBeouf being in something, I'm like, well, now I'm more interested to see. Yeah, that. and I think it's very interesting to think of this phenomenon as cyclical, but it's almost it's it's almost a a, a requirement in a certain level of fame so that people's careers sort of move in and out of this period of being an actor that people can't stand. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like. At various times in recent history, Scarlett Johansson might have been somebody that people couldn't stand. Sure. She may be out of it to a certain regard. I think it's like when you start working with weirder directors on weirder projects, or you just kind of like escape this thing of when you've been in a bunch of Michael Bay movies and now you don't have to be. Right. And you can like fully be your weird ass self, like in public. Like that's kind of like with Shia, what happened to Shia LaBeouf yeah. is that he yeah, went through he, this weird period of like having to do all these terrible movies. And then he was like, Oh, it, I'm a total weirdo and I'm going to do like weird shit. But there was, there was a transition period in between there when the weird shit he was doing was was wrong. <laughs> like when he <laughs> stole that Daniel Close, he plagiarized that Daniel Close yeah. uh, That's right. thing I to make a, make a short film. Um, but then I loved that he then, well, was it for Nymphomaniac where he walked the red carpet with the paper bag on his head that said, I am not famous anymore? Right, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> See, and that's the thing is I, I honestly feel like that's, that is what causes a lot of people, not just with Shia LaBeouf, but I think that's what causes a lot of people to turn on actors is when they feel like, I don't think this is correct, by the way, this assessment, but it's this idea. It's like you have a pretty plum gig. You're getting paid a lot of money. Everybody knows who you are. You are, and and you're just play acting. And even if people value play acting, 
they said it's it's this attitude it's like stop seeming so tortured stop stop trying to act as though you are very serious in life just be happy with what you have and i think like you mentioned james franco he started being weird you mentioned shia labeouf he started being weird and in my, now yeah. to us that might make them more interesting yes. but i to to most people that i know and have talked to that makes uh that makes the people that makes these these people unsuffer uh, insufferable uh right that's that reminds me of something i'm going to talk about two actors here who are both people that people have hated at one point or another um but uh i don't know if anyone else read val kilmer's reddit ama oh so good a masterpiece <laughs> of ama yeah yeah uh it was great but one of the things he talked about is that like part of the reason in the 90s or whatever that he had the reputation he had is because he i mean he probably was a little bit of a dick but um he his argument is because he went away he wasn't in los angeles he was living in on his ranch or whatever and he wasn't playing the game and so other people got the right to write the narrative for him mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and then i'm also reminded of uh something because an uh, I'm a big fan of Kristen Stewart and I feel like a lot of people are now. She's made uh, a number of great movies in, in a row, but there was a time, you know, during twilight and right after that, a lot of people, um, were, were hard on her. And, uh, this is something that Jesse Eisenberg was saying about her in an interview, uh, cause they're good friends. Uh, they're the new, uh, Tracy and Hepburn, if you ask me, um, damn right. <laughs> um, uh, that's an argument I have made on this show, um, before, uh, but, um, in with the thing Jesse Asman was saying was like, imagine yourself in her shoes. Imagine people talking about you the way that they talk about her or giving you the kind of attention like, and you want to, you know, chastise her or admonish her for being sultry or closed off or, or, no. or quiet or sullen. It's like, how would you react? It's the people uh, Jesse Asperger was saying it's the people who can thrive under that that are weird. Yeah. Um, which is why I've never trusted Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I don't think I would like uh, Jennifer Lawrence's I, name came I, up as and well, yeah, a the, person that people worm has sort of inexplicably can't stand. Yeah, I, I feel think everyone like, liked her for a long time. And then yeah. she, what she put her, it, she rubbed her butt on a monument. Or it something. was the curse. <laughs> of the, it's the curse of the it girl. Uh, I think. Yeah. Is that because it happened before it happened to, to Anne Hathaway? Anne Hathaway is maybe culturally just getting out of a period where somehow people inexplicably turned on her, where yeah. she seemed to have a lot of goodwill. It's something, there's some sort of weird residual buildup with people, and it's not exclusively against women, but sometimes it is. It's like when a certain actress is sort of just in a bunch of stuff and she seems to be everywhere, and there's just this like, this thing inside of people where they're like, when are we going to be able to turn on her? You yeah, know, I yeah. feel like it's that middle, it's like that mean girls thing where you're just like, this bitch is too popular. And it's, and then we have to just turn it around. I think what we ask of them, not we, cause I'm above this. Um, <laughs> and all, by the way, have always been a huge Anne Hathaway fan. Um, uh, but I think the things that the public asks of these uh, young women in particular is a it's a it's setting them up to lose because they're asking right. them to they're asking them to do something inauthentic but never break kayfabe to use a, a wrestling term uh, and like it, never let us see that it's inauthentic and I think that was yeah. that and was you the have problem. to perform authenticity to yes. an absurd degree yeah. when you're doing your promotional work or whatever you have to be super glamorous on screen, but be your very best friend, be the girl next door. You have to be the, yeah, uh, the, uh, the cool girl from gone girl. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Is, you literally, I mean, but there is such a like era of the cool girl in terms of like uh, actress persona now where it's like, I feel like 
glamazons are not we can't do that anymore because I think you're supposed to be like relatable and it's supposed to be like everyday feminism. And so you're supposed to kind of just be like, uh, really relatable or whatever. You can't be like too feminine, but you have to be like the Margot Robbie, uh, what was it? Vanity fair, GQ interview or whatever, where it's just like her whole profile is though, even though she's like the most beautiful woman in the world, she's just like, loves to get a beer just like you. And it's like, I feel like this is like so required now as a longtime GQ subscriber. That was vanity. It was vanity fair. Okay. Sorry. No disrespect (laughs) to GQ. They all run together, uh, in my mind, but yeah, no, it's just absurd. And I feel like it's so, it's almost impossible. Like all of these actresses go through this, like, this like churn it's just like fame mill it's just like okay well your time's almost up your time's almost up and you're a bitch the internet hates you now and then they're gonna come back later and do a small project and everybody's gonna be like oh you know what i always liked her i do think (laughs) i I actually don't think that that is that is actresses uh specific i think it's uh you're probably right I can't tell you how many times let's go to the other side of uh kristen stewart i can't tell you how many times i've said you know that Robert Pattinson is pretty great. And yeah. Like fucking Robert Pattinson. Are you kidding me? And it's like, yeah. you haven't seen any, you haven't seen Cosmopolis. You haven't seen the Rover. No. You haven't seen lost city of Z. He's doing great work, but because he was in this thing. And so that's what I was going to ask, but he's not, how, oh. how often because, because he was in twilight and so was she. Yeah. And that's, for teenage girls, not unlike DiCaprio in, in Titanic. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, how how often uh and and i don't know what your list is but how often would you say the the hatred for a specific actor or actress can be traced to their involvement with a very specific very culturally popular but looked down upon project i think if or you, series if you look at those two actors in tandem that that's a really interesting way to sort of chart this phenomenon like between genders and between mm-hmm. careers because the response to Pattinson like because they both basically their post twilight careers are pretty similar mm-hmm. and the fact that they both like went immediately to like auteurs mm-hmm. uh, European directors because they have all the money in the world now they don't need to do anything right, right? so they're just going to find it to do interesting work and I feel like uh, Kristen Stewart is has a lot more pressure in terms of on her like uh, personal life or ta- tabloid fodder sure. and stuff which I feel like is always very gendered but I think there is that thing of where like people did underestimate Robert Pattinson because he's playing like I mean both of those characters in Twilight are terrible there's nothing for them <laughs> there's nothing for them to yeah. play you know and he like if you only saw Twilight of course you think they were shit actors they don't have anything to do right but I mean you're right I just feel like it's it's taken a little bit I feel like people sort of were ready to embrace Robert Pattinson a little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah because it's like, you know, you go, you go to Cronenberg and they're like, wait a minute, this guy can actually do stuff. But you're, but it's something to get to the tabloid fodder thing. Yeah. Part of that might've been that he was the one who was cheated on as far as, far as the tabloid story goes. Oh, so sure, yeah, he might've yeah. had some built in sympathy then. Yeah. Because- yeah. No, I'm, but I, I think that that's, that's, continued though to post post their breakup is that in terms of like media i mean not to get too like into tablets or their personal life or whatever but the the media coverage of him was sort of more favorable in his post relationships than to her but i mean i feel like now even though like kristen stewart is doing terrific work like with olivia asas and with other people there is still that thing where i think the reaction to her gets back to what i was originally saying is that some people just have a visceral reaction to her vis-a-vis her face and i 
in her expressions and how she uses mm-hmm. her face in cinema. And it's hard to talk about because you get into a lot of weird issues that are like personal with people or have to do with like really weird perceptions of like what, how women should act in a way, like, let's go to Lost City of Z, right? Like, sure. If Robert's and Robert Pattinson's performance in that, he's really kind of hiding in a way that benefit oh, yeah. that benefits him. I I like him. His I've never seen any of the Twilight movies, but I think he's a good actor, mm-hmm. having seen him and the things I've seen him in. But I like him when he's doing as little as possible. I think that's mm-hmm. his sweet spot. Is the the less he does and says the better he is. Oh yeah. So did you, you see Cosmopolis? Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I feel like he's I, great in that. Uh, I agree. I think I like him across the board because I liked him in The Rover where he's doing a bunch. <sighs> I hate. He's I doing hate, a ton. That's like the, I hated his performance in The Rover. Hmm. That's like, uh, like Ryan Gosling wishes he had given as bad a performance, <laughs> like as ticky a performance as, as uh, Robert Pence in The River. But I feel like Kristen Stewart is, is, is the same way is that she can, can project in, in internal internalized like turmoil Mm -hmm. very very well and it comes out in her physically so i feel like when robin pattinson is being still and removed that's his sweet spot physically i i feel like kristen street does something very interesting which is really hard to do which is to imbue like sort of personal tics and bodily tension with some sort of authenticity because it's really, really hard as an actor to make like a ticky physical choice, something in your face or so- something fidgety, mm-hmm. and to actually sell that as something that is coming from inside the character. Yeah, which I feel like is something that Kristen Stewart does better than anybody else, and it's wild. I think she does it very well. I also think Robert Pattinson did it very well in The Rover. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that, given one of Kristen Stewart's earliest performances was in panic room with Jodie Foster, who I think can also do that. I, I honestly think they're like, I mean, that's, she was texting Jodie nonstop and was like, (laughs) be my like spiritual guide in this post twilight journey. And Jodie was like, don't worry girl, I got you. Like I was in taxi driver. Like we can do this. You know what I mean? Like they, like she's like her, her godmother, her fairy godmother. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're really like, you look at those careers and they're very similar. Um, but that's, uh, you know, we're talking about um, Christian Stewart, Robert Pattinson. We were talking about the It Girl thing. And I think yeah. if we're looking for a male corollary for that, I think we're already starting to see it with Chris Pratt. Sure. I think he got a lot of responses when I asked about this on Twitter. Because here's why the Internet loves Chris Pratt. And by the Internet, I mean liberal millennials. And the more that Chris Pratt gives interviews, the more people realize like, oh, this is kind of like a red state hunter dude, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not necessarily yeah. our guy. And yeah. I think people are turning on sour, souring on him quickly. And also I feel like Chris, Chris Pratt has been maybe he not maybe he has been ill used by the big budget studio system because the Chris Pratt that I know and love is the Chris Pratt of Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. Where it's just a big, dumb guy and you just love him. You just want to pinch his little yeah. cheeks. And they made him get hot. And it's like, don't make Chris Pratt get hot. Like, let him be fat. It's fine. He can still be fat and be in Jurassic Park. You know, it's fine. Like, that's who cares. But they like they molded him into this thing because they were like, oh, finally, we have a, a tall white guy who's a little burly and could 
you know, live in Nebraska or something. They were like, it's the seventies all over again. So they like tried to mold him into this. They were like, no more metrosexuals. We have a real man. And so they just like shoved him all into. Don't we already have two Hemsworths for that? They're not American buddy. Oh, I see. You know what? Love it or leave it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So like Chris Pratt was like that guy. They were like, Oh, finally we have a, we have a a, a heartland dude or whatever. And then he turned out to be a heartland dude. And no, but it's like, but that's not his thing. He's not that guy. He is, the he is the the best friend kind of guy he's the yeah, stealth guy right. and they're not those these action movies are not utilizing his humor it's ridiculous to cast him in guardians of the galaxy and make him the straight man what the hell that's the <laughs> dumbest thing of all time like why are you giving bradley cooper as a raccoon yeah all of the is he, isn't Kamara I mean, more the straight a, man Yes. I mean, yeah, but she's like, it's funny because she doesn't have a sense of humor. I don't I don't find what they're giving Chris Pratt to do in those movies in his wheelhouse in terms of comedy. He's just there to make like snark. Like he's not a snark guy. He's a he's a lovable, goofy guy. Yeah, I guess I liked the bit in volume two about the tape. When Rocket is looking for some tape. That's a fun sequence in it's general. A good bit, and it goes on I appreciate a little longer how long, than it should, which is how long it should go on. Exactly. That, that entire movie went on longer than it should, <laughs> oh, though. I, I liked it a lot. No, I liked it, but it's like, you know, you got to cut that. It's way too long, that movie. Too much of a good thing. Uh, mm. There is no? such thing as too all much right, of a good okay, thing. All right. But I, I, yeah, I didn't really feel bored. But yeah, there's definitely such a thing as too much of a good thing. And so I... I, to go back to Chris Pratt, sorry, I know that we can't do this with every single name no, that no, gets no. thrown out, but um, but it's interesting because like let's imagine that he's st- he's the same type of person, the same type of actor, uh, but he started, you know, muscular and thin and all that sort of thing. Would because I agree with you, I think he's at his best when he is Andy Dwyer. Yeah. Um, but uh, and so now I just see I, he's so good at that 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 is all I see, and I think oh, he's not being utilized. Uh, that mm. well um i think he does well but i don't think he is cast like i, like I thought to, in um magnificent seven i thought uh, that was not a oh my great god casting. i forgot he was in that yeah <laughs> that was him with, but it literally could have been any other guy right, right? it could have been any of the other chris's yeah and why so, did they cast him in that that's a good question in fact it probably should have been anyway sorry uh, <laughs> but the point is that like if he had started as the attractive guy yeah well, then he would not have ever been Andy Dwyer. He would not have gotten best no. friend roles. And so I find myself, it's this idea, I think, that I that I was just, uh, and I don't know how far I'm going to go with it, but this idea that people are defined by the thing that they, actors especially, are defined by the project that, every, that they got famous on. Mm-hmm. And so now sometimes the public will... Uh, Sorry, they got famous off of. Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh, you're proving my thesis about you and Will, and Will Patton. <laughs> that you can't, oh, it, you possi- can't not think of possibly, him as yeah. the bland guy from the Jerry Bruckheimer. But I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's a couple of things. It could be what the public, how the public sees them, or in the case of somebody like Robert Downey Jr., he's chosen to be uh, Tony Stark at this point. Right. And so I feel like uh, with Chris Pratt, like I wonder if people saw guardians of the galaxy first yeah um if well, they would say what a, saw that yeah then, then parks and rec yeah oh, i guess parks and rec yeah because that's a tv show and yeah. it's, it's limited or whatever i feel like movie stardom so i feel like there is a substantial number of like chris pratt fans if there is yeah. there are such a thing that first probably encountered him in guardians of the galaxy and are really invested in that as a series and him yeah. as a movie star 
And I'm sure if they were to go back and watch Parks and Rec, they'd be like, oh, oh, look at this fat, disgusting slob. Oh, no. No, No, I'm not saying I I think that. Who could say that? (laughs) People that that fell in love with the attractive guy, the people that will. Andy Dwyer is more attractive than Guardians of the Galaxy Chris Pratt. Hmm. Interesting. Ladies, sound off. Yeah. I've seen maybe three episodes of Parks, Parks and Rec uh, total, so mm-hmm. I can't. All right. Uh, you're, a mon- you're a monster. Uh, uh, I, want, I want to get to um, your your list, but there's someone else <laughs> that I want to talk about because I've never felt very strong either way, but people really, for a time, really hated this guy. Yeah. Sam Worthington. Yes. Because he, because he was, because the idea, I think people were like, Hollywood, we've told you we don't want this guy. Stop trying to do this. I think Sam Worthington became a lightning, uh, lightning bolt guy for this idea that Hollywood sort of is just looking for any generic white guy to Uh be the generic white guy in their movies. And so it doesn't matter if you're a cardboard box like Sam Worthington, you're going to get cast in Avatar and then a bunch of other shit. And even after Avatar came out, they were like, who is an Avatar? And you're like, I have no fucking idea. I don't know what the guy's (laughs) name is. And then he showed up in a bunch more movies. And then it it was just like that thing where it was just like, stop making us watch this dude in things. I think that's where the anger came in. Did I mean, and he, it didn't help by him like not having any persona whatsoever. Do either of you see the movie where the with uh, um, the his he's got a dead daughter and the shack and it's it's the oh the shack the shack the uh, titular shack. I did not see it. Everyone said that I should because like the Christian thing, it's but Jesus I was like, here, I don't right? know the yeah. But it's Sam Worthington in <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah, and Which Octavia is, Spencer. Octavia Spencer as God, you yeah. know, perfect casting. I like but it's that. like it's like, you know, what is going on with this? Is he has Sam Worthington already transitioned into being just like grieving dad? Is that where we are with Sam Worthington? You know, he was in Hacksaw Ridge in a supporting role, and he's actually pretty good in that. Hacksaw Ridge. But I wonder if supporting is uh that's the thing uh, because he has this bland attractiveness, like very well, obvi- bland. obviously we're not gonna have him be supporting. It's like, no, he might be best as supporting. No, I think that's, that's probably yeah. like to be the guy who just wears like a uniform. Like I can see him as yeah. the guy who is in the uniform in the corner, and then Andrew Garfield is just like acting. He's uh, like you know, he's like uh God help me. I, I'm a big fan of Eric Bana, but I feel like he is so seldom utilized well. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bana has the capacity to be the bland guy in the uniform for yeah, sure. Yeah. And no, he was a bl- that's not, big star. That's not my, my, my thing with Eric Bana is that people who cast him in movies keep forgetting that he's funny because yeah. we all learned, or at least, you know, film people, I think learned of him through chopper, sure. which is a hilarious performance. Mm-hmm. And then everyone is constantly casting him as, you know, in like, as you know, you know, rest in peace, Curtis Hanson, but like in lucky you or whatever, he was yeah. the, uh, you know, or the, Hulk. I mean, the, he was a very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas, um, we know he can be funny and I never saw funny people. I don't know. Is he funny in that? He's very funny in that. And then, and he was in, uh, Hannah and he was very good in Hannah. Like, hmm. I think he is a supporting actor who has lead actor looks, right. But just, and he could be the lead actor in a certain type of movie, but, Hollywood just did not see him that way. Right. Um, I mean, it's crazy to think about all of these guys who had a big moment and then it just passed, but they're still around. Sure. And then, but there's just some new guy in their place. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, it's, it's, I, that comes back to the, the point we're making of just sometimes I think there's just such a white hot spotlight on somebody who is being sort of like 
fed into that role and then people are going to like them like them like them like them and then they're going to turn hate them hate them hate them hate them then they're going to come back in something doing a little supporting role or something interesting or mildly interesting or mildly different and then everybody's going to come back and Uh. say like you know what? We like you again. We're sorry we hated you so intently for but then, six months. But then they can buy into their shit too much and start to be hating, hate, hate, hateable again. And you're describing my exact relationship with Matthew McConaughey, who was great stuff like Lone Star. Then yeah. he started doing, you know, you know, just bullshit uh, failure you know, to launch, failure to launch type fool's gold type set or Sahara, which is a terrible. I never saw a failure to launch or fool's gold, but I can point at Sahara. I saw fool's gold. It's fucking terrible. Um, how to and, lose a guy in 10 days. Uh, yeah, yeah I was, uh, uh, that was not a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kate Hudson's someone that I've warmed up to though. Uh, I like her now, but um, her stick to uh, is uh, yeah. admirable, but I'm the, I'm in the minority of uh, never liked almost famous and never liked her in it. And so maybe that's Tyler's theories that I just sort of like always thought of her as, as annoying me and almost famous. Hmm. But the thing with Matthew McConaughey is then he went like, then he came back and started doing small, like Bernie and like, killer joe and magic true, Detec- true detective magic mike was a big one uh, magic mike yeah he yes. started doing smaller roles weirder yeah. roles uh it was great it was the reconnaissance right that's what yeah. we called it it was that's <laughs> it was a whole we? thing yeah <laughs> people called it the reconnaissance they literally yeah, wrote awesome. reconnaissance yeah <laughs> with their hands uh, and <laughs> now paper. he has bought into his own bullshit so much that he's uh i'm repeating myself from things i've said on the show before but that movie gold from last year where it's like not fool's gold. Uh, just no, yeah, gold. <laughs> just regular oh, gold. It's the beginning of a trilogy. I uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, where he's like, I can't just play this character. I need to gain forty five pounds and put on the bald cap and put in the fake like you know craggly teeth or whatever. Mm. And like he's just. And then there was we both. What was the Civil War movie that he was in? It was so Free, sta- oh, Free State of Jones. Free State, State of, of Jones. Jones. Oh, where he's just constantly like he's constantly making speeches to large groups of people, yeah. but he's always like talking really low like this and i'm like you understand there's people 50 yards back like i understand you're like this is impactful for the microphone but yeah like i can't uh uh, anyway um uh, so now i've gotten guided on a lot of levels Uh, but i am now turned off by matthew mcconaughey being in a movie Hmm. yeah we did you we skipped over um wolf of wall street though which is fantastic yes and that may be the pinnacle of the reconnaissance for me is his role in that uh, magic for me, I think probably magic Mike, which I guess was at the beginning, but like just yeah. seeing him in that and he's just being like, that. because he is, he's riffing on himself. He's yes. riffing on. And I like that. A it's lot. the apex of his self-referential yeah. sort of stardom and him being like, I'm in this movie playing this character. I'm Matthew McConaughey yeah. to these guys. Yes. Like absolutely. he's the Matthew McConaughey yeah. of those dudes. And there's no winking irony to it either. No, like no, he no. commits to this guy completely. Yeah. I do. I do actually, as much as I, I'm not a huge fan of interstellar, but I think he's very good in it. Um, because he's just like committing to the character as mm-hmm. opposed to, I don't know. Do you think to go, do you think there's a certain, ugh, a certain Jared Leto in, instinct in certain actors where like, okay, we all know I'm attractive. So what can I do to not be attractive uh, because, yeah. so that I can show I'm a real actor? Oh, we like skipped, that gold thing sounds yeah. like right, sounds yeah, right yeah. to me. We skipped over the worst film, the film that turned me off of McConaughey, which is the one with Jared Leto in it. What Dallas Buyers Club? Dallas Buyers Club? No, I like Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> I in the wrong room. No, yeah, that movie was awful. I mean, it didn't, that didn't kill McConaughey for me, but I was like, this is misguided here. This is huh. not, this is not what you want to be doing. 
I remember like apparently it is what he wanted to be doing because yeah. he got an Oscar for it. That's right. Did he win an Oscar for that shit movie? Yes, he did. Oh no. Wait, okay. McConaughey did? Yep. And no, Jared Leto. Leto. no, McConaughey didn't win. Yes, he did. McConaughey won an Oscar? Yes, he did. Did apparently. that happen? Yep. 20, wow. In twenty thirteen. Look, usually you can ask people like after I, the Oscars. I feel who like won I'm being gas gaslighted right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, is, this, is this real? Uh, I don't okay. know. Um, they did not nominate. You know what? I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club. I've seen clips of it, and he looks like he's doing a perfectly fine job. Uh, perfectly fine is usually not enough for me to uh, say, hey, he should win an Oscar. But that year, Tom Hanks was not nominated for Captain Phillips, and so to hell with everybody. <laughs> uh, who else is on your list? Who else came up a lot? Uh, oh, my God. Okay, well, let's, let's give uh, people like the lowdown on the scientific method for this. Here we okay. go. Here we go. Okay. So the other day I did pose a question on Twitter, which is, are, are there any actors that you just can't stand, but you don't know why you don't have a rationale for it. And as a follow up question, have you ever actively avoided seeking out work because you knew that they were in it? Something to that effect. So I got a ton of responses and I discovered today doing my research as I do, because I'm always very well prepared that I asked a similar question on my Twitter in 2014. Hmm. So I have come, but because it's it, uh, it's a phenomenon that has fascinated me for <laughs> low these three years. So there's some um, cross-referencing going on here. There is, yeah. So I'm combining the results from that first question, which should not de- get a gangbusters response, with this other question. So I have in my uh, notebook here a total of over 100 unique names, mostly from um, contemporary cinema, but some uh, stretching back 70s and 80s, and I even got some classical Hollywood names here. And I think... The way that I phrased it is just to just that inexplicable thing that you hate. Some people did give me names of people that they hated and said and qualified it by saying, but I know why I hate them. Right. Okay. Right. So like a name that came up a lot would be uh, in contemporary would be Josh Gad, who I feel like is very benign, but I feel like people are very annoyed with his persona already. Hmm. That's very um, funny. Um, or just people who have just sort of like a broad kind of presence Mm -hmm. i think he's a good actor but i got john leguizamo um oh i like him yeah i got paul dano who i can see he has kind of a punchable face right i think he's a good actor too but there is that there is something about him physically sure which which is is why he was uh, right for there'll be blood where he's supposed to be punched a lot i agree with you prisoners where he literally is punched yeah no i agree with you like he's well cast because he has like a weaselly face a little bit now let me ask let me ask this uh is because I have not, I've heard the term punchable face. I've only ever heard it with male actors. So is that the, yes, I don't think you're allowed to punch women actors in the face. So like, it's like, I'm sorry to use the word, but like bitch. Yeah, no, I think and punchable face. I think so. Cause I think what we've got. Yes. Because I feel like when people have an inexplicable hate for a woman actor, it can be tied into their persona, which is often, uh, limited, to certain roles so you have you know they're doing one thing like they're doing a Hathaway thing or they're doing a ScarJo thing or they're doing a Kate Hudson thing where she did all the movies about all the dresses and the weddings and everything she was just in I like, believe there are 27 <laughs> there are 20. wait is that Kate Hudson yeah uh, oh no no, no, no I'm sorry it's Grey's, Catherine, Grey's Anatomy uh, Catherine, Catherine Heigl Catherine Heigl yeah. right yeah, so people Catherine, don't like her no no sure. no they didn't because she found her niche and it was making movies about like weddings and stuff and so there was some sort of but very it, visceral reaction against i feel like it start with Catherine heigl it started with her being like oh she was very demanding yeah about, about on gray's anatomy and then about knocked up yes and then so i think that 
turn some people off, which that doesn't necessarily turn me off. a little bit of career backlash as well. to turn around after, like, talking shit about the material in those two movies and make 27 Dresses and all that. And and what was the the one with Gerard Butler? Oh, my God. Uh, Gerard Butler should be on this list, Yes, I love you. No. No, that uh, was Hilary Swank, who also came up on the list. People have a problem with Hilary Swank. Oh, the the Awful Truth or something like that. Yeah. The Awful Truth is Irene Dunn. Yeah. But I saw this movie. What is the movie with her? Yeah, I remember. Oh, no, it's the Something Truth, and it was had a logo and it had hearts in the genitals yes for him and yeah. then a heart where a heart is for her right because which is something that bothered the hell out of me <laughs> men are from mars women are from venus no see in that so see in that ad w- in that ad women are from earth <laughs> because heart where the her heart, heart goes, is where the heart goes yeah he just had a the very serious heart defect which he needed to go to the hospital <laughs> boy <to get> <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like a uh, lorenzo's oil or something like sorry, that. sorry you have film. heart dick sir <laughs> yeah well um <laughs> The ugly on, truth on, is what ugly it was called. Ugly uh, truth. And uh, the, the character Lauren on Angel, did, he was a demon whose heart was in his rump. That's not your dick. Your, your use of the word. But I'm saying if you're looking at a... That's rump. The if you're looking at an x-ray, same general... Sure, right? sure. So I there's mean, a reference it, to Angel is what you're saying. I'm saying that x-rays. he was supposed to be a demon from the hell dimension Pylea. Jesus Christ! Kristen, well, what do you got? We're I get. Let's let's go with more punchable faces. I okay. got a, I got a couple. Okay, Aaron Taylor Taylor Johnson. Sure, huh? I don't also feel that way about him. Very annoying voice. Huh? Tries too hard in his acting style. Now he would not be my pick of someone that I inexplicably hate, but he has a great. He has an on screen persona, and he makes very committed choices. Like I don't know if you saw Nocturnal Animals. I did. Yeah, what he's a, quite good in it. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. We'll he just, we'll just skip right over that then. Well, um, here's what I'll say is that, uh, <laughs> he, that he comes up a lot amongst uh, people I know and, and friends of mine as just an actor who is like clearly an attractive guy, but super, super bland. Yeah. They actually, they, they don't like any of the choices that he makes. Like yeah. they talk about him the way I talk about Will Patton. No. Um, yeah, for me, he always tries too hard. He's doing yeah. that like early 2000s Franco thing where it's like, hmm. this is going to be a better performance if I don't shower. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Certainly. And which, uh, Savages. Remember Savages? He's in that. Which, um, yeah. Shia LaBeouf went through that too. You know, they all do. Making, they all uh, do. That's what I mean. I mean, there's this thing where it's like they're all trying to be do. They're all trying to be like Pacino and Serpico or something. Yeah. And it's just um, not going to work for them. But, you know, in making uh, the movie Fury, the World War II movie, that the production had to like move Shia LaBeouf into a different hotel because everyone on the cast and crew complained. Is that true? Because he stank so much. Oh, because he stank of the tanks. Because he wouldn't, he refused, because his character is like, well, I'm spending weeks at a time in this tank. I'm not showering, so I'm not going to shower. Mm. And so everybody hated Lawrence him. Olivier would not be happy with that. <laughs> yeah. It's called acting, my boy. <laughs> also, Ben Foster came up. A lot, and I like Ben Foster, and I feel like even when he's trying really hard, which happens a lot, I buy it. I always buy it. And I appreciate that he's trying hard. And I like that he grew a beer belly for that movie he was in with... What's his face? Captain Kirk. Uh, Chris Pine. Yeah. Chris Pine. Hell, 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 Hell or High Water. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And he did... He did Chris Pine tried to imitate a beer belly with costuming. But Ben Foster <laughs> committed yeah. to that dad bod, and I appreciate it. Well, Ben Foster is a full-on character actor who realized it yeah. young enough. That's like that that's right. He, he, As for, right off the gate from Three Ten to Yuma, he was right. he was. Oh, he I'll was go the guy. That to a movie that I love that everyone forgot existed. A movie called uh, Hostage? Hostage with Bruce Willis. He is a good. Where in ben that. Foster is the the villain. Uh, and he's fucking terrifying in that movie. Yeah. That movie came and went. No one cared Great. about it. It's such a cool and such a nasty 
Like it's a hard R, yeah. violent. Wow, movie, it's a good movie uh, though. In yeah, which like Ben no Foster, and then who's the um, his accomplice? The the bad guy you end up feeling sorry for is He's somebody. Jonathan right? Tucker is that his name? That's right. Yeah. Oh, Jonathan um, Tucker. He has Jonathan Tucker has a weird face. If we want to talk I about, think he has a very have, soft face. He does have like a soft voice. face, but his lips are sort of weird. I don't know how to say it. I, I've always I've always liked his his presence, and he's yeah he's the. He does have a soft presence. Yeah. So people right. should see Hostage. Hostage. <laughs> they okay. should. We're wrecking Hostage. This is going to be rough because we're talking about people's lips and like, yeah, they got those weird lips. I don't like it no, at all. No, see, I should have put this. I should have put this like uh, explainer at the beginning because when you talk about this quality, there's one. It's one thing to people to talk about people's acting or their performance in a certain film. It's another thing to talk about this inexplicable thing, which I'm really interested in, is that why are there people who are maybe good actors or have the capacity to be good in a movie right. that turn you off because of it's something your reaction to the authenticity that they are projecting, which is yeah. weird. That reminds me of uh, um, a great performance in a movie called The Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. The young uh, uh, Emery Cohen, Emery Cohen, who's yeah. also in Brooklyn, he's objectively he's great in that movie, but he's so great that he's so much like the kids I fucking hated in high school. Yeah, that ah. I, he is not a likable uh, character. That I that I, yeah, this like arrogantly dumb, you know, thinks with his fists and yeah. not it's kind uh, of not a mook. His, but yeah, uh, like he's exactly the kind of kid who would have you know thought it was funny to, you know, push me over or trip me or whatever in the, in the hallway at high school. And I like it, I needed like a week, like distance from the movie before I realized like, Oh no, he was really good in that movie. I hated him because of how good he was. And then I think you and I talked about this, that when we saw him in Brooklyn, where he's uh, like a nice guy who has designs on the, on the protagonist, our first thought was like, don't trust that guy. Yeah. He's well, not going to treat you well. You're obviously overlooking his memorable performance in the remake of The Gambler. Where he's he very was, good in that. He had the tennis pro. He's only in like three scenes. Though. I know, but he's good. Who's yeah. the other kid in Place Beyond the Ponds? Uh, is that Dane, Dane DeHaan. DeHaan. I like Dane him, DeHaan. But I can see people not liking him. Yeah, is he on that list? He's not on this I, list. I love Dane DeHaan, but I could I see have, people have, really not responding to him. He is another guy that's like, let's do the James Dean thing, which he is literally going to be James Dean in a movie. But it's like, he there are... That, there are those guys at a certain point in their career where they're like, let's model myself and my performances. No, on this list is this actor who I couldn't remember that he irked me. But as soon as somebody said his name, I was like, yes, I agree. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones. Oh, I like him. Did you like, I, he gave the worst performance in get out. It literally almost took me out of get out how bad he was. Hmm. He was just like, let's make a bunch of really annoying choices and make them as big as possible. I mean, I, yeah, he is definitely swinging for the fences in that movie. I Ugh. think it works, uh, because of the, the sort of arch just nature of the movie that Jordan Peele is making. I think it works. Ugh. Um, and, but I, yeah, I, he's not a subtle actor, but I've no. always, I've always liked him even in, uh, this is gonna be my thing is recommending small movies. And uh, do you remember the last exorcism? I mean, I remember that it, exists uh, um it's actually a good movie and he's the brother of the possessed girl uh oh. and he's really good okay um and then i know he is he's in the x-men universe isn't he isn't he yes banshee? i was okay so i was just looking this guy up the other day because i was looking up x-men first class he was banshee and uh oh he's fine in that 
And uh, yeah, that's a punchable face. If ever I no, saw one, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. This guy and a guy who sort of David. looks, sort of looks, uh, I know what he looks sort like. of looks like him, but has even a more punchable face and has made worse movies with bad performances. Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne has a fishy ass face. A bunch of weird <laughs> freckles. Look, Eddie Redmayne, whatever. He's His fine. His freckles are so weird, they're called freckles. They're freckles. <laughs> he's fine. He ha- He's going to be in all those Harry Potter movies. He's minting money. He's famous. He was in Jupiter Ascending, which is the only thing he has going for him as far as I'm concerned. But he also won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. The Shit. theory of everything. Fuck that guy, then. All right. He does, it doesn't matter if I say that he has a fishy I, face. I do kind of appreciate that... Uh, it's he, he's, making, he's making a choice he's in uh, Jupiter Ascending. No, that's his only good performance and probably the only good movie that he's been in. Because he it's just it decides, he knows he's in a goofy sci-fi arc, yeah. epic from the Wachowskis and he's uh-huh. going to play that guy. He will play two notes, yelling. It's great. Yeah, no, it's good. I still haven't seen Jupiter Ascending. It's delightful. No, but I mean, in the movie, the thing that irks me about Eddie Redmayne as an actor is this sort of faux sincerity this faux authenticity that yeah. you get with the combined double whammy of the the theory of everything and the the danish girl where you're just like this is shit that's there's it's a so it's so bad. i had a i had a teacher in uh, back in college who was talking about certain actors and he the term that he used and we we did an episode about this actually he said i can see the strings oh, yeah. and i can see every string that oh, eddie, yeah. eddie redmayne is pulling absolutely like, no it's so it's so cloying yeah. it's so I have a real pet peeve talking about pet peeves. I have a real pet peeve with movies and with performances that are emotionally manipulated. And if I'm in the movie theater and I can feel myself being emotionally manipulated, fuck no, we're, we're not, that movie is not getting away with that because you have to be doing a better job of it than me being aware of you trying to get me to cry. Yeah. Cause that is not going to fly with me. I, but I think it's only if they're, if the filmmaker is trying to hide that, if it's clearly what that, that this is what that, I mean, sometimes that's just what melodrama is and I'm okay. Well, with good it. melodrama makes you cry, but you don't feel that you don't feel this, like put this, this, this naked desire for these people to feel something like they're shaking you by this. So it has to come authentically through the characters in the scenarios. Give me some of that good, like Douglas Sirk melodrama where everything was just too much. I don't want this like fake put on. Okay. All right. I see know? what you're saying. Yeah. yeah I, I remember, to yeah. me, Redmayne is that's the, his bread and butter. You know, I actually liked, uh, I, I hated the Danish girl and I eventually hated the theory of everything, but I liked the first 30 or 40 minutes of it when he's essentially playing just a 1940s British version of a John Hughes like character who's just trying to get the girl. Uh, and I, uh, I, I liked him a lot in that, even if it is a little bit, uh, manipulative. Um, but yeah, the Danish girl, Oh man, that is a disaster. It's hard. Yeah. I came out of the, I came out of the screening and people were like drying their eyes and I was like, what planet am I yeah. on? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, okay. What uh, now? Yeah, who I, else? Now I, I wrote down th- three for myself a few yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. Um, and I think I actually might have run across the only, the only female that I am comfortable saying is extremely punchable. Right. No, let's do it. And let's that go is Lily Sobieski. <gasps> oh, I can see that. 
Okay. Because you know, because I don't have any particularly strong feelings with her, but Lily Sobieski fits a physical type of the kind of actor that when you look at them, there's something about them that is off-putting to you. But they don't counter that in their performances. Maybe that's the way, see, now I said she is punchable. Right. But I did not say her face is punchable. Right. Um, there is, I think there's an attitude. There's an attitude, like anytime, and this is, I guess this is interviews and commentaries, like in the Joyride commentary. Yeah. Where there's just an element to her that is just like, oh, I know this. This is, it's a vaguely Jared Leto, uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf, like, uh, just it's that it's that uh that jared, jared leto quote where someone what is it like i start acting and then oh, i step okay. in front of, okay i have to tell this story yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure i've told on the podcast before but um a couple speaking, of times speaking of the dallas buyers club i went to uh-huh. a screening where there was a q a with jared leto afterwards and oh the number of douchebaggy things that he said i can't remember all of them uh, <laughs> i would assume it's but, everything he said. Uh, yeah like well, like one thing is that the the moderator more than once said, now you took a five year break from acting. And every time he would say that Jared Leto would, would say oh, it was almost six years. Um, but the, uh, literally it was like three times. Long Q and a, um, but the, um, the thing that Tyler's talking about is that he was talking about being method and just like, you know, yeah. staying in character. Yeah. And, um, uh, and so the guy was like, so you just start acting and then step in front of the camera. And Jared Leto said, uh, uh wait, wait, how am I, am I phrasing it wrong? What is it? It's, it's something like you, like you go in front of the camera. I think he says you go in front of the camera and just start and acting. Just start right? acting right before it's been called action. That's, that's his point. Yeah. So you, you just go in front of the camera and just start acting. And Jared Leto's response was, no, I start living. Then I step in front of the camera. Yeah. That's, the, that's the vibe I get from Lily Sobieski. <laughs> um, I don't get that. I, I think I have a soft spot for Lily Sobieski because she reminds me of, uh, girls that I was in drama club with, where I think she's you know super what? earnest. She over enunciates because she's probably taking classes on enunciation. Yeah. I'm too uh, nice to mention the person from drama class that she reminds me huh. of that I do not care for. Look um, at you guys and your like but, personal, <laughs> yeah, your yeah. personal. You're like bringing in your like own. Uh, I love it. Yeah, because that's that's, why that's why this like that's this whole topic is like yeah. why do people piss you okay. off? It's because they remind me of so and so from sixth oh, sure. grade, and then, well, then I, it ruins movies for me. Uh, you know, as long as we're talking about because I only for my personal list I only had you know I've talked about Jonathan Rhys Meyers and 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 uh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. I only had one woman on my, on my personal list, and I need you guys to tell me. Yeah, because I don't understand why I have never liked Ashley Judd. Uh, because she's, uh, I can, you know what? I can see the strings with her. Okay. Absolutely. I don't even remember. I don't even know what even movies I've seen that she's, she's in. in kiss the girls. Yeah. yeah. I didn't she's see in too, heat. I haven't, too many of those. Oh, she is in heat. Yeah. She's fine. She's in cuffs. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I don't know. Does she have, she has an accent, right? Those judges have she's from. She's from Kentucky. Yeah. Cause sometimes That's, it's voices with people that put people over the edge. Ashley Judd. I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm too. Fami- I'm familiar enough with her to like have any sort of okay. Maybe she's my Will Patton. Is that she's just so it, there's an element middle of there. the road that I can't. I think it's uh, that yeah. it's like a non-committal sort of thing. Like uh, yeah. do something. Maybe maybe that's what it is. There's an element of like why cast? Why did you cast her who was perfectly fine when you could have cast somebody who would have been good? Mm. <laughs> right. We're back um, on the back which on is, patent trade. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's what it is. Um, and then I also I, this is this goes back years so this isn't because of you know i've always just not not been a fan of ashley judd but uh, a couple years ago when she was going to run for senate 
Yes. <laughs> that when, went away so quick. When you run in uh, conservative circles, as I do, you're very aware of Ashley Judd and uh, the speeches that she gives. Oh, she really? is a nut bar, <laughs> uh, as Jen would say, uh, okay. quoting Jimmy Pardo. Um, yeah, she's she's very, uh, boy, she thinks she's important. There's no question about that. But wasn't the thing like, she was like, I'm going to run for Senate uh, as a senator from Kentucky. And then like, people were like, you haven't lived here in 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the main thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, cause she's yeah, all no, about you have Kentucky. To li- like, you have to live in the place. Yeah. Like she goes to the, she's associated with Kentucky. Cause I know she goes to the, um, Kentucky Derby every year. Mm-hmm. She roots for the uh, the the college team in the. I mean, a lot of NCAA. people go to the Kentucky Derby. That doesn't uh, mean, but I mean Kentuckians. <laughs> yes, she's but like, she's Ashley Judd. Yeah, but she okay. She, I guess she reps for Kentucky the way I do Missouri. But then people were like, "Hey, you've lived in California for thirty years, and before that, Chicago for yeah. several years. <laughs> right? You haven't lived in Missouri since what? Uh, no, I was talking about Ashley Judd. Oh, okay. Uh, but no, I, I haven't lived in Missouri since. So you're saying you're 2000. not running for Senate in Missouri? Uh, not currently. Yeah. Sorry. You need to talk to your family. Count, to uh, yeah, talk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Councilman. Yes. He's going to work his way up. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, okay. So, so uh, yeah, Judd's mind. I, I okay. think, uh, I got, you're, I got to run this by you. Cause I got a couple of responses for this about an inexplicable hate for an actor who just has a way of speaking or a way of being on screen, which is off putting. And this is Anna Paquin. Can I run this by you? Now? I think two different people told me that they hadn't seen Margaret, which is a masterpiece because yeah. Anna Paquin noise them. And I think that Anna Paquin is maybe has put her essential annoying qualities as an actor and perhaps as a person to the greatest use in the film, Margaret. That's probably because Margaret is a very, very, her character in Margaret, who's not, whose name is not Margaret. I know. Don't worry. I've seen Margaret, um, (laughs) is very grating. And I feel like Anna Paquin is perfectly cast because she does have that sort of, she really had, a time where she played the whiny teenage girl probably better than anyone has ever played it. Mm. And I feel like she took that to its extreme in Margaret, but I think it's a shame that those same qualities would make, which makes her performance so good in that movie can turn people off to her as an actor. Absolutely. Can you think of any other actors that maybe qualify for that? Cause I can't think of anyone except for Anna Paquin who maybe, sort of typifies that i i can't and i i like i i want to defend anna Paquin, but i don't i don't think i'm a big fan outside of margaret myself i guess you didn't like her uh, when she was playing rogue in those no. first acts you know what Here's, I'll, i really, i could yeah. see some people having a problem like because she's so different than the rogue of the comic books and the mm. tv series i could see people blaming her for yeah. that difference and carrying that along though. I, she was in true blood, right? Yeah. Okay. Which I have not seen a single episode of, so yeah. I don't know anything about her character in yeah. that, but yeah, I mean what I've seen of her, I actually like quite a bit. I think she's actually very good as rogue. And I think, yeah, Margaret is one of the best performances I've yeah. seen in my lifetime. And she was, yeah. I mean, even though she was a kid, she was fantastic in the piano. I just feel like uh-huh. there's a lot of, I don't mind telling you she won an Academy Award. For that. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that one. I don't um, know, but I feel like Anna Paquin really has that thing. She has a sort of a, a grating, uh, way of using her face, especially in Margaret. No. That is very off putting and also a voice. I think that can be, she has a vocal tenor that can yeah. be off putting. And I feel like she's very emblematic of this thing that even though someone may be making the right choices for an actor, it can't turn people off to 
their performances. I could see. I see what you mean about the voice. The it does, and that combined with a cadence, it feels yeah. like she has a perpetual bubble in her voice. Yeah, her it's, it's what they call the vocal fry. She, yeah. she is a pioneer of the of the female vocal fry. <laughs> Let's talk about vocal fry for a second. This is off 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 topic. Sure. Because there was a whole um, stuff you should know. Uh, uh, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but they did a whole episode about vocal fry and how often um, criticisms of vocal fry are tied to sexism. Yes. Uh, because it represents a certain idea of a, um, you know, spoiled or airheaded woman, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always associated vocal fry with, I think, Ira Glass and Greg Proops, two people that uh, sure. who are, uh, and I see it as, um, they're, they think they're so smart that they can't even put in the effort to finish the sentence because I'm below them. And that's why they're trailing. Off. <laughs> um, that's, and so that's why I've always been, and I, I do like, I've grown to like Greg Proops. I've never liked Ira Glass and it is 95% because of his voice. Absolutely. Um, uh, because especially when it, he's trying to, qu- when he's quoting, uh, like somebody in a like if he's if he's talking about like young kids and uh-huh. he's quoting a very street uh, term, it's just like you're be- you think you're better than these people, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's not his fault. It's just his voice. So my question is: Is the thing that I'm talking about is that vocal fry, or am I misnaming? I, I have to say that the only the first time I heard the phrase vocal fry was in relation to this sort of uh, sexist backlash against female podcasters or broadcasters because there was it wasn't a podcast episode but there was some article about it um i don't remember the publication but that was the first time that i had heard it actually slate which has a whole bunch of podcasts i don't know if you know about this they have a standard form email that they send in response to any email they get complaining about one of their female hosts voices voices because they get it so much like yeah they get so many no i mean that's 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 the first time i heard the phrase and i was like oh i can see that but that's just another way of people having a perception of women talking too much, which scientifically is not even the case. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I'm sure I have it too. I'm from Southern California, so I have an innate geographical vocal fry. Um, it's just, it's just the way this is the first time I've heard this term and now I've heard it like 18 times. And I I feel like I've, never been able to fully I because I had it solidified in my mind what it meant but then whenever other people talk about it they seem to be talking about something different because I don't hear it at all with you I hear you in California for sure yeah um but uh I don't I guess I I see it as that sort of like it has to do with like trailing off and like yeah it's like when you talk like that but see that's uh, upspeak which is different Oh, okay. Maybe we maybe it's getting tossed around too much. So yeah. how do we even get on this topic? You said Anna Paquin had vocal fry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could see that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe. So know. so how how terrible is it to like uh, analyze like certain uh, facial movements or facial features? Okay, we're getting to the piece to the. I mean, we're getting to the the meat the meat of the meat okay. the heat of the meat here. The reason that I ever asked this question, which is my just weird inexplicable avoidance and distaste for Claire Danes and it's not Mm. Claire Danes the actor it's not it's certainly not Claire Danes the person who I'm sure is lovely it's this weird thing of Claire Danes's face and how she uses it in her Mm. acting are you guys familiar with the Claire Danes cry face oh yeah you're talking to a big fan over here okay 
Because no, that's not my main problem with Claire Danes. But it's, can I inter- interrupt real quick? No, to yeah, say, explain, explain what it is. No, it's not. This I just want to bring Tyler into this okay. because Tyler, I don't know how you feel now, but you used to not be a Claire Danes fan because of the Les Misérables, where she's. I was uh, fifteen. Yeah, and I wrote a review. Uh, no, maybe sixteen. I wrote a review. A review of Les Misérables. Um, this is with, a non-musical one right, with uh, Liam, Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Rush, and just thought like it wasn't merely her face it was also her voice it was yes. a very screechy cry voice uh that really really bothered me yes and she's never been afraid to utilize cry face which i think over the length of her career actually sp- it speaks to her character as an actress that she's leaned into her cry face because yeah. i feel it is definitely the thing about it's a signature now. it's, it's yeah. a signature move the thing about I saw two movies in relative quick succession, which were obviously an informative time in my life. One was Shop Girl, which I don't know if anyone remembers this movie. I read the book. I read the book and I like the movie. Okay. uh, Jason Schwartzman is in it, who also has a little bit of a punchable face. We haven't gotten into that, but a little bit. Uh, Steve Martin. There's so many like slow zooms into Claire Danes's face while she's like sadly sitting at a kitchen table. And I don't remember, I was watching this film and it was interminable. And I was just like, I hate that everything in this movie is hinging on these really long sustained shots of Claire Danes, like just emoting. And it pissed me off to no end. And then there's this movie that opened a couple years later called Evening, which was very terrible and had a lot of people in it. Oh, that's right. I can picture the poster. Yeah. yeah. It's, a bu- it's a bunch of names. It's a bunch a, of names. And a beach. It's a, yeah. yeah. It's a, but it's a, it's one of those movies where it's about a lady dying the whole time. And she's like telling the story of like when she was young and when Is she it was Vanessa young. Redgrave. Yeah. yeah. And when she would, of course it's a lady yeah, dying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was young, she was Claire Nance. And anyway, she's just so annoying. And something about those two movies combined in my head when I was 18 or 19 or 20. And it just was like, who is this person? I can't. And so much of her is like, she, she has a very broad face. Her eyes are big mm-hmm. and she uses all of it. And it's funny that we talked about Anne Hathaway too, because Anne Hathaway was in an SNL sketch once where she played Claire Danes in Homeland. Uh-huh. And they were remarking on her very emotive acting in Homeland in the sketch. And one of the characters in the sketch says, uh, her whole face looks like it's chewing gum. <laughs> about Claire Danes, which is probably the best description of what is weird about Claire Danes. Like, it's so weird to me. And I don't even hate her. Like, she's been in many movies that I really like. It's just, there's something about her that's just like, no, don't do the Claire Danes thing because it's going to piss me off. I remember liking her in Shop Girl. I liked, uh, I thought her performance was pretty good. I'm a big fan, but I think this comes to you're not a big TV watcher, right? Well, because can I, can I, in my defense, when did my so-called life air? 1994? Yeah, when we were all... I was seven. We were all 12 and 13, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I was watching uh, no, you yeah, know, yeah, Sesame you're... Street or whatever. Now, that's no excuse, because I could have watched it a million times over on Netflix, but I still haven't. But, okay, here's the top but, three. When I think of Claire Danes, the top, yeah. uh, of the top four things I think of, three of them are are TV related. There's my so-called life uh-huh. homeland yeah. and temple Grandin, which is a made for TV movie. Right. Oh yeah. And the fourth one is her very small role in home for the holidays. Um, she's quite good in this. She's great. Yeah. And See, she- but I grew up the Claire Danes. I grew up was little women and I okay. love little women and she even does cry face in that, but it doesn't off put me. And I don't know why, where it's come from for me, but you're right because I haven't seen any of those three television projects that she did. Uh, well, so, yeah, I, I mean, um, I, I, there are things that I've seen Claire Danes in that 
she's not ruining the movie for. And there's some things where she's the center of the focus of the movie. And it's so much on her interior, trying to express an interiority, which I am not buying. And I just can't with that movie, you know, that's to me, that's what shop girl. And I'm just like, no, I can't because it's just her. It's her. I can't deal with her. Uh, Hmm. You might not like Temple Grandin. Okay. I think about it because it's not, I mean, she's playing an autistic character. She's she's acting with every inch of her body and face the entire time. She's acting with a capital acting. Yeah. Uh, But it's great. In general choices like that turn me off, which is why I'm such a big Kelly Raycard fan, Mm because there's so little going on (laughs) acting wise in any of those movies. But yeah, that's that's my big one is Claire Dance. We got to your big one. I think that's time to, to start wrapping up. Does anybody have anything we need to get to? I do have. Here's the deal. Because it's very hot in here. It is. I'm sorry. We've been talking. (laughs) Um, So I do have kind of a a new one. And then I have one, an actor whose work I love, but I'm inclined to not like things about him. Okay. That one is David Thewlis. Huh. What did you like about him? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I love him in Harry Potter. I love him in Naked. I love him in... like. I think I've always enjoyed his performances, mm. but there's something about his, it's on my mind. Cause I just rewatched the hand of Dr. Moreau, but, uh, there's something about his voice and something about his, his face. I feel it, it feels terrible saying no, no, any no. of that, but you're right. But that's what it is. It's, yeah. He has a little bit of a patronizing. I think it's that tone to his voice. Like his, his character in, in big Lebowski was perfect for who he is, uh-huh. but he's not that all the time. And again, I like every, I, and sometimes I love his performance. It, his character Lupin is my favorite character yeah. in the Harry Potter films, mostly because of his performance. Yeah. So he's See, an actor is, that I, that I like in spite of these things. This is the question. Uh, uh, I think your patronizing thing is on the, on, on the money because I think the difference is do you, when you see David Thewlis being patronized and do you see yourself being patronized too, or do you see yourself in David Thewlis being the patronizing one? I think I'm the latter and maybe that's why I'm a little more okay with it. That's right. And this goes back to the subjectivity, which is that everyone filters all of these things through their own experiences. Right, yeah. And so that's why certain people piss you off or certain decisions that people piss you off and there's really no justifying it that's why i got more than a hundred different people and some people responded to me and says and and said the name of the actor and said yeah i feel really bad about it but it's this person because they know that they're a great actor but there's something that they cannot define who else did you get a lot of I mean, that's the thing is that they were all different. The, the huh. person that did, somebody that did get an apology before them, which is you know, L- Laura Dern, which is unconscionable oh. to me. Yeah. Oh. But the, you wouldn't. You. I mean, somebody said Jeff Goldblum. Now I know Jeff Goldblum was a very distinct type, but I thought he was relatively beloved. We also had uh, another inexplicable one to me, which is John C. Riley. How could you hate John C. Riley? I have no idea. Yeah, but we funny. also got a lot of A-list names: George Clooney. Russell Crowe, Kieran Knightley, I can see Emma Stone. I got a couple times. Um, um, oh, I can definitely see that. Sure. When you said Russell, I thought for sure you were going Russell Brand. Oh, I, I got Russell. I got Russell Brand, but I feel like if I had asked this six years ago, I would have gotten nothing but Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah. Right. I still got one Russell Brand. I, you know, I, I we did get I did get somebody who that made me sad, which is stars of the early two thousands, which I am. Uh, a fan of Renee Zellweger and uh, Brendan Fraser. I love oh, Brendan Fraser. I love both of them, but yeah. they do have distinct, especially I remember when Renee Zellweger was very famous. Uh-huh. There was a lot of weird 
things people talking about her face she had a scrunchy face and people couldn't deal yeah. with it yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's it true. like that, that really was, the, was like the discourse around her stardom the, the lemon drop yeah face. exactly yeah. now people are talking about her face because it's different now but i yeah. just feel like leave renee's all and her face alone yeah i agree and brendan fraser i kind of i kind of get because i think people see uh, how? Because I think he's very bland looking. He's like blandly handsome. Oh, I think yeah. people sort of like. But he leaned. In, he leaned into his hunkiness real hard, and those were good performances, like George of the Jungle or Blast from the Past or The Mummy, where he's just like. Uh, I, oh, of those three, you mentioned I only saw The Mummy, but I did like I did like the first The Mummy, oh. and then Gods and Monsters, and but then quite yeah, American. he's great. People yeah, he's great. Stuff like Gods and Monsters are quite American, and also. Uh, people need to see Looney Tunes back in action if they haven't yeah. seen that because yes. he's. Uh, no, I'm ready for the Brendan Fraser Renaissance or whatever we want, <laughs> whatever we have to do to get Brendan Fraser back. Um, all right, so hey, hang on. I've got, I've got. Now that we're into this, like, yeah. I, there are a couple. Here's the thing: there are two that I am completely alone on, and I will probably be alone in this room as well. I have never been able to get behind Kristen Ritter. Like, huh. I, I, I was thrilled when she was. When she exited Breaking Bad, you can spoil that she when she died overdosed and yeah and choked uh, on, her on her own vomit. Yeah, and I thought like yeah, that's about right. Harsh. And then I watched all of Jessica Jones. First and of all, that's your first mistake right there. I know, <laughs> but and I just kept just for whatever reason. I don't think she's necessarily a bad actress. I think that for whatever reason, just and in that especially, she gets cast as is like tough broads yeah she's and like a I d- tough bitch yeah <laughs> that's it yeah i'm i'm detecting the irony in the way you said that and that's about right yeah especially in in jessica jones yeah. where it's like oh she's this hard drinking yeah. private eye it's like yeah but you look like a pixie yeah she has and, like strong female character like stamped on her forehead yeah so and i want, don't and i don't believe i don't believe it honestly I know who you want to play jessica jones who's that brett butler <laughs> you know what? If they built a Marvel superhero franchise around Brett Butler, I would be thrilled. Brett Butler from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> and also from last year's, the comedian where she played oh, really? herself. Oh, was she good? Okay. Was she good in that? Uh, she just did some stand up. Okay. So yeah, she was fine. Of course. Um, um <laughs> And I then, always liked Brett Butler, although talk what about was like, her sitcom in the nineties. Cause I remember Grace watching Under Fire. Grace Under Fire. I remember watching that as a child and being like, I probably shouldn't be watching this, <laughs> but talk about people like who have, you know, reputations like she was apparently apparently making grace under fire was a nightmare because she was, uh, I could see that. Yeah. Anyway, but well, I've people, always been people say that about Roseanne too. It's one of the greatest shows of all time. Damn so right. Yeah. Like, and grace under fire was not that bad of a show. If yeah. I remember it correctly. And it's like, who gives a shit too? Because a lot of people are terrible. You think Tim Allen's a nice guy. He's not a fucking nice guy. I don't, I don't think two, anyone thinks Tim Allen's a nice guy. Though. I just mean like he's had two successful sitcoms and he has a very like well-regarded, persona and yeah. then a woman like gives a note to a writer and she's a bitch for 30 years you right. know what i mean so it's yeah. like you yeah. know what cool your jets with that a little bit um yeah i i, I anyway um anyway uh speaking of women we don't like Sure. Uh, I forgot to mention Gwyneth Paltrow. That oh, one that's came, a big that one. That one came yeah. up a lot. But that one, it's like, I, I almost didn't per- want to mention it because I, it's so clear where it came from. It yeah. came from the whole goop. Yeah, everyone knows. Thing. That's what yeah. people said is like, I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow, but it's because of the reason that everybody doesn't like Gwyneth Paltrow because yeah. she's a fucking insufferable. Although she's been in, a, you know, a fair amount of she's decent, been good decent, in a lot of decent movies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, acting wise, you know. Fine. Yeah. yeah, I guess I just wish I, I knew yeah. less about her, and I, I don't even, yeah. I'm not even trying, and I know way too yeah. much about yeah. her. The fact that we know the name of her stuff. lifestyle brand yeah. is upsetting to me, and we all know it. I am. 
and I know we, we need to end, so maybe I'll end on something controversial. <laughs> the film work of Brian Cranston right. does not do it for me. No, he's... He is a TV actor. And See, I don't think that's it. I don't know what it is. I think like, he's... Because uh, I, I think the those lines are being obliterated um, because the aesthetics are becoming so similar. So I don't think there is a difference between a TV and film actor. I think it's just that he... Um, had two roles that happened to fit his hamminess. He got celebrated yeah. as a great actor and now he's being cast in things where he probably shouldn't be, you know, chewing every bit of scenery in sight. Yeah. And it's, and people are starting to realize like, Oh, I guess we only liked him because the characters he was playing like either Hal on Malcolm middle is supposed to be yeah. big. And then the whole nature of breaking bad is so pulpy that it makes sense yeah. for him to be arch like that. Plus there's a huge uh, amount of comedy in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but then even when he's a badass, he's like capital B capital A capital B. Like yeah. everything is, everything is played up to 10 on yeah. breaking bad and it works because it's a completely conceived uh, and realized piece. Um, but then, yeah, when he shows up in whatever else, I've not, I mean, everything I haven't else. seen most of these things actually, but, well, uh, yeah, I think he, people are just starting to see the limits of his, uh, range. And the reason that I jump from, from TV to film is that I do wonder, like maybe it is, maybe it's just like good performances, but like Tim Watley is not necessarily an over the top character in Seinfeld. And I remember liking him in that. I wonder if he feels as though he needs to modulate his performance up yeah, now when he's, he's in a movie. A, oh, I, I, I don't think it's. I, I don't, and I still don't think it's a TV film thing. I think he's become so. He was so celebrated yeah. in Breaking Bad that now he thinks this is what people want from me. Yeah, and so he's he's doing the Matthew McConaughey thing. He's yeah. Uh, he, he's just uh, yeah chewing the scenery, I guess. Yeah, and it's 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 frustrating because I'm alone when I say that I don't like Brian Cranston. I think the tide is turning though. I okay, think, I think he might just be an early adopter okay. of the Brian Cranston backlash, but I think it's right. coming. And I might I should mention Academy Award nominee <laughs> for what Trumbo Trumbo oh Trumbo the movie that doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. still don't believe it anything else we need to get to before we can open the door and breathe again does anyone have a does any because we've these are all contemporary actors does anyone have a classical Hollywood actor you know, that I maybe they couldn't to, stand I used to I don't know and this isn't a can't stand thing but I think I used to have a Will Patton type thing for William Holden. Interesting, because he just seems he's like sort of just so handsome. Yeah, I guess that's it. Is just he seems sort of like generically handsome oh, to me. But he's been in so many good movies. It's uh, hard. Yeah. It's hard he, not to. I yeah. like. I like William. Holden. And I think I've. I, I think You've I've come around. I've come to 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 see more in him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like. But even now, when I think of like the Bridge on the River Kwai, I think of it as an uh, an Allegheny's movie. Well, and rightfully so. And I, and I kind of forget that is about an the Allegheny's movie. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, William it's Holden a more unique is, character. Yeah, he's a he's a major part of the movie, and I kind of just forget that he's that he's in it. He he's sort of um, he's the least interesting character in Stalag Seventeen, I think, to me. Uh, although it's been a bajillion years since I mean, I've seen that. Guess what I'm going to say. Uh, what? He won Best Actor for Stalag 17. <laughs> um, but he's great in Network. I think he's uh, marvelous in Yeah, that. and you know what? You're right, because I like... He got as he got older. Older, I feel. I feel there's more character because Network yeah. in the Wild Bunch. Yeah, I like. I like the, that, but that happens so much with actors who are very, very handsome. Is that they have to have a certain level of boringness yeah because yeah. you can't do anything with that and then they get more interesting as they get older like brad that happened to brad pitt sure yeah. the yeah. less 
blindingly good looking he's gotten, the better he is an actor and the the better roles that he's taking. And I would argue he's better looking now. Sure. Good for you. Look at you. <laughs> he is uh he is, as they would say in network, a craggy middle-aged man. Um, I have a hard time with this because this is literally, this was my dad's favorite actor. Mm. Richard Widmark oh. is a good actor, yeah. but I always, I see the strings with him, always. Because Richard Widmark, though, is always playing guys who are trying hard. Yeah, it could That's be that. kind of because I feel like Richard Woodmark is always like the best Richard Woodmark is the sweatiest Richard Woodmark. <laughs> and I feel like no one has ever been sweatier in a movie than Richard Woodmark is in like any movie. Do you know what I mean? That's like that, that's right. kind of what he yeah. what his function was in classical Hollywood cinema is to yeah. be that kind of guy. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. it's hard because it is he is playing a type. And even in something like Judgment at Nuremberg, again, mm. I don't I don't dislike his performances, but I just I always see, especially in a film like that where there's so many naturalistic performances, yeah. I see him as like, I am acting, damn it, right? And and it sucks, like you know, out of uh, uh, loyalty, I feel like I should never say that I did that I don't yeah. really respond to Richard Widmark as my dad's favorite, but uh, I keep I keep looking, and you know what? I've never seen Kiss of Death. Which oh, was which yeah. uh, he was nominated for. Yeah, um, I don't know why I keep going back to that. It's uh, just it's a thing, it's just like a thing it. I know. Um, and I hear he's amazing in that. Yeah, that's his, but, that's uh, his breakout. That's yeah. his that became the archetypal thing. Yeah, I the one classical Hollywood actor that got a mention in when I was uh, polling film Twitter is um, William Holden co-star Audrey Hepburn. Oh, now. I get it why people would be turned off by Audrey Hepburn because she is very mannered. But I think what the Audrey Hepburn is that the deeper you go into the, her filmography, the more you realize that she was got better as an actor as she went along. The stuff she did in the 60s, starting maybe in the mid 60s, got really, really good and interesting. And she was no longer Holly Golightly. And it was wonderful. Here's what and I, I think just it feel is. like not thrilled with her, uh, her performance, her accent in, uh, my fair lady, but no, I mean you know, that's I mean yeah, it's yeah. a music. Come on, Delva. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna project. Okay, here, yeah, and I'm gonna say what this is is okay. You're in high, like when you're in high school in your small town or whatever. Yes, you're the only one who likes Audrey Hepburn. Yes, and maybe you're the only one who likes the Decemberists, right? <laughs> and then you go to college and you realize like, oh, everyone's listening to the Decemberists. I don't think I like the Decemberists as much. It yeah. doesn't. It's not as cool and unique for me to yeah. like them. Right, and everyone I, has a poster of Audrey Hepburn yeah. in yeah. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's yeah. in yeah. their dorm too. So. I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, Audrey Hepburn. and I feel like she became such a cultural icon yeah. through that character with the poster and that kind of aesthetic. Yeah. That people started adopting her as a style guide sure. without sort of sort of in that Marilyn Monroe way where mm. you're not yeah. you don't, you're not familiar with her actual work. Yeah, she's and not even so, a person anymore. Right. So Audrey Hepburn like started be, sort of just became a symbol of something that would a, a personality type that might turn you off. But I feel like if people actually like if they watch uh, Wait Until Dark, which she's fantastic yeah. in, or Two for the Road, or Children's Hour, or Robin and Marion, have you ever seen that? I haven't. It's no, an aging Robin Hood, yeah, played by Sean Connery, Sean Connery yeah. and then she's made Marion, and then Robert Shaw is the sheriff, and it's great. And yeah. all three of them are great, oh, fantastic. I, yeah. And I only recently saw Two for the Road, and everybody's ah, oh. yeah. Albert Finney. Oh, I love Albert for Finney. me is a little bit this. There's such a there's such a boisterous quality to him that uh, that is uh, a little bit off putting. Yeah, it's not that I don't believe him though. That's the other thing. He's like, ruddy. 
That's a good word for it. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it makes you realize how Talk about dialed Henry in. Henry VIII. Audrey, uh, Albert Finney <laughs> yeah. is Henry VIII. Um, remember when Albert Finney was in that uh, Breakfast of Champions movie? Which yeah. Which Will Patton is also in? Yes, I know. Uh, yeah. And doesn't, <laughs> that's a crazy movie. I love it. We're uh, bringing it back is around. That, who's it? Alan Rudolph? Alan Rudolph, who also made Trixie. Who also made Trixie. I do not respond to the way he makes movies, as, you, may, as you recall. Uh, like, yeah, those, those two. Um, there's also Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle, the movie yeah. with Dorothy yeah. Parker. Very good. Uh, and then there's The Secret Life Sh- of Dentists. I saw Excuse that. Excuse me? Is that him? Is that him? I don't know. I haven't seen I don't that. Recall. Okay. Um, okay, well. Let's all watch some more Alan Rudolph movies right now. We have to end this. <laughs> it's an odd place to end, but sure. <laughs> we, we, have, we have to end. It's been two hours and ten minutes. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> We're all uh, sweating. Uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, I turned the air on. I you guess can it's... find us at battleshipretention.com. Uh, and you can email us, david at battleshipretention.com, tyler at battleshipretention.com. Uh, if you have questions uh, for our video mailbag segment, ask BP. You email them to me, david at battleshipretention.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at davypretension. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Battleship Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. That's right. You have another podcast. It's called More Than One Lesson. That's right. And this uh, this week, we talk about the aforementioned Brooklyn oh. with the companion film Midnight in Paris. Oh, that's fun. Um, Chris, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter. They can yell at me about Claire Danes. On Twitter, my handle is at sales on film. If you are Claire Danes and you're very upset by this episode, I apologize in advance. Please take comfort in the fact that you're married to Hugh Dancy, and I'm sure your life is wonderful. Oh, she is. I know. Isn't uh, that sweet? Good I, for them. I know. I like them as a Those couple. Those kids are going to make it. Yeah. Do you know one year my wife and I for Halloween went, she went as uh, as Claire Danes in My So-Called Life <laughs> as Angela Chase, and I went as- Did you go as uh, Jared Leto? No, I wouldn't. No, I can't pull that off. I went as Brian Krakow, okay. the nerdy kid across the street who has a crush on him. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a really sad couple's costume, uh, if I can be honest. Yeah, it was pretty great. Uh, um, it was it was fitting. Oh. Anyway, um, all right. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Sorry, we've talked so much. Yeah. Not at all. We, I carried away. If it weren't for the fact that I have to get up at six fifteen in the morning and it's six hundred and fifteen degrees in here, <laughs> uh, we could do this all night. It's frustrating. But, uh, I set the thermostat at six thirteen. <laughs> I think I think I just, just gave up. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks you. Th- thanks you. <laughs> thanks to you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 